0: This is Comic Shenanigans, Episode 852, Comic Talk Spotlight on X-Men by Jonathan Hickman, Volume 1. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. This is episode 852. It's our Comic Talk Spotlight on Jonathan Hickman's X-Men Volume 1 Trade Paperback. I'm joined... Uh, well, sorry. I am Adam Chapman, your host. It'd be helpful to say that up front. I am joined by my co-host today, Paul Scores. Hello. And Nathan Strzok. hi. Hi. So last We're get the Uber
1: Godfather intro as we got
0: at yeah, the, uh, the last podcast? So it's it's funny, so last time I, I led with, you know, introducing you guys as the Godfathers and then uh, a friend of the show who's sometime on it was like, Oh, I guess I can't be on the show unless I'm a godfather Like, what the hell? I'm like, Well <laughs> just that one episode um, but so last time we talked about you know House of X and Powers of Ten, and now we're talking about we're kind of moving into the Dawn of X era. We're talking about uh, Jonathan Hickman's X Men run. Uh, we're talking about Volume One, and then we'll. You know, the next time we kind of reconvene, we'll talk about a different, you know, a different trade. We won't go right into X Men Volume Two. We'll kind of try to do more chronological what Dawn of X was looking like. Um, we're doing this for Nathan Struck's, uh benefit with the trades specifically uh, because he now has so many of them. Um, and uh, I guess before we really get into it, but in a general sense, we come off this this mountainous high that was House of X and Powers of Ten was X Men Volume One. Kind of coming down too too quickly? Was it you know kind of an average after you know the, the heights that we had before? How did you guys feel as kind of a, an initial reaction? I feel like I've got to go to Paul right because I
2: wasn't reading any of the issues uh, monthly. So all I have is something I've read together in one
1: little what were What were your initial thoughts? So my initial thoughts were I was hoping this would pick up right where we left off. Um, because he, did, he he laid down this massive amount of groundwork, um, charted and graphed the crap out of it, so we have this new vision of the X-Men, and I was curious to see, okay, how are we now going to build on all these ideas and, and things that he's now put together? Uh, issue one, I think, starts off pretty strong with some of those things, uh, but then as we continue on through the first six issues of the round, which is what's collected in the trade all these issues are kind of one and done Like, there's no... Like, the typical uh, Marvel system lately has been everything's a six-issue arc, right? And you have, I have a big story to kind of put all together where this is kind of like... It feels like, okay, here's, here was the big intro, and now I'm still going to continue to... Uh, not really build anymore, right? I to keep planting more and more seeds. Um, I think issues one and six kind of circle back to... Um the opening volume, but uh, everything else is kind of just, okay, here's some more stuff to kind of throw at you um, to to build up to more things coming later. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably yes. fair. I mean, again, I like you, Paul, I also experienced this kind of a uh, well, as they were coming out, and I definitely felt a bit of a letdown. Um, I do think it works better in the trade because any misgivings you might have, you're right on to the next issue, whereas you don't have to kind of think about it for you know a month and be like, well, this is what I got, okay, fine. And you got to wait a month to get the next chapter. Having it in a trade format does, I think, work better for this particular book. Um, and I, I, yeah, I, I just don't. I, I was let down. I think, as you said, the first issue, you're kind of like, okay, I, I could get behind this. Not quite what I expected, but okay. And then issue two, I think now I appreciate it more, having read you know Ten of Swords. And other things that have happened. But I think at the time, without that context, I still don't really like yeah, the issue all I, that much.
1: At the time, I wasn't a big fan of it either. A, a lot because I don't know if we want to do this particular one issue by issue, but I remember reading that going, oh, this is. Kind of brutal. Why are the islands having sex? And who's this white character that he uh, seems obsessed with these? You know, like Al is all gold. This guy's all white. Otherwise, it's the same freaking looking character, right? Like, where's your ability to kind of invent something kind of different in you? Um, but obviously, we have bigger payoff in later issue 12 of X Men and now X of Swords for sure.
0: But yeah, so it's interesting, again, in context, reading back, uh, it definitely works better. Um, yes. It's it's interesting. Again, there's a lot of... I do think, as a general story structure, I think that some of the other Don of X books were stronger, or felt that felt like they captured my attention more, or were just a little bit more riveting. I think X-Force, for me, felt like the real X-Men book. Like, that felt like more... Even though it's not really the X-Men, because again, it's more... You know, x Forcey, Um, but I did feel like that was that was more the one that captured my attention. That was more the one that I was excited to read every month and see what was happening next, and it felt like, you know, it really, I don't know, there's just something about the tension in that book, and I didn't get that from X-Men.
2: Interesting you say that. For me, Marauders feels like they've made my next hmm.
1: I, I do really love X-Force as well. I would say those are the two I'm most excited to read. I'm with you. Marauders yes. was one of my favorites coming out of it, too. Um, but for this, I mean, yeah, I, I had that
2: benefit of reading it all together, and I'm behind you. So I'm reading up towards, uh, you know, X of Swords. As soon as that comes out in the hardcover, is that March now, mm-hmm. uh, 2021, as, as we're recording this, then I'll be able to read that. So that's how kind of far behind I am. Um, and so from my perspective, I was just really, really hungry for any view of the island, because as I said last episode, I really love seeing anything on the island. I love it. And then having them build the world out, which I definitely think Marauders and X-Force does very well. There's a lot of great is on the planet Earth in this kind of international stage. And, and I feel like this trade is cool because it bounces around. It gives us a view of Davos, of that meeting, uh, the World Summit, and then so we get a little bit of the international relations, and then a bunch of other things. So for me, skipping around, kind of like I I love the sliders as a kid growing up. I like that idea of kind of where, you know, from bouncing around from timeline or time. uh, Is it dimensional? dimensional? It's dimensional, right? Um, And having an adventure of the week is really good. And and for the most part, in these issues, it's about two issues at a time. And and so we get this beginning point where they're attacking the orcus I say orcus, I don't know how to say it. Um, Pub? And it very much reminding me of some of the – you know, I, again, I talked about last week or last episode or whatever about how anything that's a flashback to that, that 90s period, the early 90s, late 80s when I was reading X-Men the most uh, make me feel really cool, <laughs> really good. So early on in Claremont and Jim Lee's run, they had this storyline where they went to like Siberia to go attack you – no, know, to go find – is it to go find North? Is it go to find Maverick and then Omega Red attacks them? Something like that, right? They're being watched in these cameras and they're going into this hmm. facility and it's Psylocke and Rogue and Gambit and Maverick's watching them on camera and he's like, oh, the, the junior team is here. He's like, oh, whatever. And then in come Beast and Jubilee and Cyclops, he's like, ah, the pros are here. Now I can see that things are... And so just kind of like going around in a facility, creeping about as a task force, right? There was the Blue X-Men Blue Strike Force and the X-Men Bold Strike Force. So I thought the X-Men weren't always like that, now but from my perspective growing up that's exactly what they were they were this kind of like strike force of mutants who were going to try to recruit young ones or save people from human attacks and so this that press pressed all those buttons for me it's like they're they're trying to stop these human supremacists they're building super weapons they're building they're still trying to build nimrods so they're invading this base you know like a preemptive strike as it were and like they're I don't know if you can I'm going show it my, my camera just like stop to perform crouching around You know, uh, in this facility, teaming up together and using their powers together in combinations. Like, this really was a a wonderfully exciting, very energetic, kinetic intro to this. this So I was really, a lot of, I mean, there's some things that I'm, you know, Cops is saying, on your right, be careful. They're sure to be savvy. All those apes have PhDs. Like, that's a funny line. I think it's funny that they thought." But there's still those moments where you're like, uh, that's right. Hickman doesn't really know how to write the voice. Of all of the read, characters. So reading,
1: reading Storm didn't. Does did she feel re- weird to you? Like reading her, like her, her anger and victory almost toward humans now. Um, do you have like a page that got, like when uh, they return back? Yeah, hold on. Let me, let me give you something here. It well, re- like I read this today and, and I remember reading it going yeah see Storm continues to be one character that is really thrown off I'll come to it in just a second but here. The,
0: but I mean I agree with you Paul in general that I don't really love the you know the way that he writes Storm because I do think you know in Marauders she feels more like the Storm we know um, but they did have that line with her and Cyclops at the end of the issue talking about how you know she's just kind of tired of it all. And that maybe yeah. we can we can excuse some of that anger that you're seeing earlier in the issue that usually would feel a little bit out of place for a character like Storm and just kind of write it off that well that's why she's just kind of she's over this you know everything that they've always had to do and she's just kind of ready for the next phase.
1: Okay, here it is. Like they thought they could hide from us, but they were wrong. That sounds, that's something what Magneto would say, not Storm. Hmm. Right, right on almost
0: first
1: issue. Right, right on, like yeah, issue one, like right off the the, the uh, intro page on the, on the single at least but uh, the, the big splash page where she's in the middle I like her uniform I, I do dig her costume design and we can talk about costumes later but um, yeah, I do just right off the top you know, they thought they could hide from us are they uh, yeah but they were wrong right and it just sounds like something Magneto would say more so than what Storm would say mm-hmm. right uh, suicide you- bombs for the greater good are always the refuge of a conquered people like it just I don't know if you read
2: this with the voice actor who did her voice in the in the animated cartoon would you
1: would it, would it maybe sound better I see voices I hear in my head all the time like especially when we're in apocalypse like it's it's all the voices I hear constantly in my in my brain when I read these uh, explanations for sure
2: Maybe, like also I, I do want to read it with her voice and then I, I can see what you mean Paul and I'm not disagreeing but then there's also a part of it I guess I could read it from the angle of she's already been queen of Wakanda and she's already been goddess. Um, and worship as goddess in Kenya um, or parts of Africa. Actually, she, she's, she's from Kenya. She's half from Kenya and half from America, and she's born in the States. But um, I don't know that it was only the Kenyans that worshipped her as a goddess. Anyway, she's been worshipped as queen and as goddess, and now she's gone through this whole life of having her powers neutralized and almost wanting to kill herself and leaving the warlocks. So with all that in mind, I guess I can see her being a little bit almost dismissive or saying, like, these are a conquered people. Like, she is this kind of regal... Creature, I don't know. But I
0: mean, point taken. Have a an yeah, off to- I- an off-topic question. Well, kind of. But when you mentioned uh, hearing Apocalypse's voice, when you know the one from the cartoon, when you read him, um, obviously it's a very kind of loud, kind of sh- almost shrill at times. Voice when he's in his casual wear at the dinner. Do you still have that voice? Is that still the voice you're hearing?
2: That reverb. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: I want be- my steak medium.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I guess I don't. Either. That's interesting. Um, yeah, him and in his suit is still really bizarre. That that whole that scene was like, what? How is Apocalypse wearing uh, like you know an Armani suit and tie right now? What is happening? Well, if we're if we're gonna talk about appearances and costumes
2: for a minute, I mean, yeah, that. So, okay, what is Apocalypse? <laughs> because. He's, my just understanding he's just a letter is. now he's like Prince he's just A <laughs> well yeah there's, there's the Krakoan there's the Krakoan version of his name um, and, and I would be very interested to hear what happens in your head when you see his name on the page what what do you pronounce in your mind's eye kind of thing that would be interesting to, say, to ask about but physically my okay I know that Apocalypse is one of these characters that he was you know he's created by Louis Simonson right yep. and he he's he he's one way for one writer and then other writers write him and he kind of just evolves over time and they rewrite and retcon him over and over again. And he fought Dracula and he was an ancient Pharaoh. Um, and then in the 12 storyline, cause my, my, for most of my time viewing the cartoon and looking at the comics, I'm like, I guess he's, I know I learned that he was, has celestial technology and I'm like, okay, so he's a man inside of a suit and the suit is like an iron man celestial suit. And then it's like – but he opens his mouth and he like puts food in it. So where does he end and where does the technology begin? And in the 12th storyline, it gets revealed that he gets removed from his armor and he's just an old Egyptian guy. And I'm like, okay, So he's just an old dude and his power is immortality and everything else comes from celestial tech. And then, of course, retcon upon retcon upon retcon. So like the blue part of him (laughs) – I don't. I don't know. I don't know what his clothes are, and I don't know what the pipes are, the tubing. I don't know if the lines around his mouth are just paints. What? have the insight on this.
0: So, those are all really good questions that no one wants you to think about. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like I I, I, I don't have an answer for you. I do feel like the twelve is something that I'd rather pretend never happened. Because you're right, that right. was that was super weird. Because he was going to like transfer his his essence into Nate Gray's host body, and then he ended up merging with you know Cyclops instead. Even that never made sense because like once he did that, Cable destroyed his soul, <laughs> his his astral form with his scimitar, and that was supposed to be it. And then it, it's comic, so it's not. And then they just kind of brought him back, and it's never really made sense.
2: So my. But the way I read it now is he did something where he melded himself with Celestial Tech, that it's not a suit, and it's not just him. It's a combo of them, and I guess that's going to have to be at all. I mean, you want to add another wrench to this? Paul's going to love this. In X-Men versus Sweetfire by Capcom, <laughs> hey, at the end of that game when you defeat Apocalypse, you remember this, Paul? Remember what happens? you see apocalypse on the ground and his body is like melting like it's an egg, an egg yolk it's just kind of like a melty body but yeah. still has metal in it and i know that's not canon at all but i'm just one, I, as my formative mind is growing i'm a teenager i'm just absorbing everything i can about this universe i'm adding that to like the plate i'm adding that to my lens um so i, I guess there's no answer what about his name? Like, Do you just do you do anything? Do you just kind of go... I, in my head, I go... Ah, that's what I do when I see that
1: symbol. I don't...
2: Do I used do to do say anything?
1: apocalypse. I, know, I, I thought about making it weird, but no, nah, it's just apocalypse. What, what else am I going to do? I know he yeah, corrects people. Say, no, no, it's not apocalypse. It is... Uh, I, I don't know. You know and and, and I, we can't, right? Because we're not humans. Yeah. We can't read it. No. I, I, there is, like... In one of the issues at the end, there is the Kirk Cohen... Definitely, yeah. the uh, cipher, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, the A does not really exist, right? So you don't know how to really pronounce it properly. So, right.
2: Yeah. Uh, okay. So, and then Adam was talking about Storm costume then. I mean, in terms of the overall look, I, I love the, the Storm costume. Again, being raised on the Will Portasio redesign of her kind of silvery white, mm-hmm. which I always thought of as the best, quote unquote, Storm costume. Um, you know, a lot of her costumes are black. Her, her, her original costume. Uh, of course, her neutralized costume is kind of hers, like a little jean-jacketed, black-top kind of uh, there's, there's a lot of black in her clothing, so I guess that's kind of more of the—it's it, it's a standout of a costume. I kind of really like this one. I, I really do. I don't know. It makes me think a little bit about the elegance of her costume when it has the, the capes, but also— the, the lithe kind of design it, you recall with Storm in the 90s after In and Around Onslaught she had this kind of just very simple costume but her hair had long almost like ears kind of yeah. extending yeah. I don't know if ears is the right word uh, almost like Knuckles from Sonic and Knuckles these kind of like you know floppy ears almost and then it was, it was just a nice coloration of like a blue purple and yeah. kind of a uh, coming down off her shoulders, that kind of like that, that the, the drooping lines and the and the and the, the, of the the cape that comes with this one, anything that lets it flow in the wind, I think works really with really, really well um, uh, with her. So looking at the the visuals of her of her, so I think this is a beautiful combination of a nice form fitting costume with the gorgeous cape that comes over her shoulders that she can kind of sit and it drapes over her shoulders it's like
1: kind that. A regal then. and royalty kind of thing, thing as well, right? Yeah. I really yeah. like this. this is one of my favorite Storm costumes. I really yeah, green like. hair, up in a nice clean ponytail. No, it looks really good. I think I came for the action figure for it. I think it's going to be um, really good. But it's interesting how you know she gets a new costume. You know, Wolverine gets kind of a, a tweak to his traditional brown. Cyclops, yeah. you know, goes back to uh, what he did prior to going on mental with the X across his face. Um, Jean like reverts back to her marvel girl costume which is so bizarre right i don't know why makes no sense and 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 giant size x-men you see here in a more traditional kind of jean costume more more of an armor full bodysuit. but that's seldomly seen depending what issue you read it's the only time we really see is in that giant size i believe Mm -hmm. that dodderman does um you know it, it, it seems like some x-men have old costumes some have new costumes there's no synergy with the outfits which i find very odd usually when you have a big relaunch like this you would have some type of overhaul for a bunch of the characters and i don't know maybe because they they don't really have a formal team yet they don't know what they want to do because i don't like not jumping ahead i don't you read the latest issue
0: uh no actually i don't think i have
1: Okay, I, I peeked at it a little bit, and there's a change there. So I don't know if that's going to lead to something else, but I won't, I won't spoil anything. Um, but yeah, it's weird at this stage, at least, for the costumes. And like, again, with the big shift of things happening, and as we go into issue number one here, we're, we're starting to see, okay, we have Kokoa, we have the summer's house on the moon, right? And all the summers are there. Right, the whole whole wacky family that's up there. You know, Vulcan's just there. You got uh, the adjoining rooms of Cyclops Gene and Scott, which you yeah. know? Okay, so so I'm am I to believe that this whole time they've been just, this has been normal? Right? It's just another oddball thing that doesn't match up with things I know as I know them, you know?
0: Yeah. Uh I, so I yeah, that's a big question. I, I, I think that was the uh that was the notes page that blew up the internet for a minute. Um yeah. the the idea that you know that that yeah, there's some sort of weird cohabitation going on with Gene, <laughs> Wolverine and Cyclops and then yeah, I don't know what that's supposed to mean.
1: There are Wolverine, Wolverine gets Tuesdays and Fridays, like I what's you know? I don't know. Like it's 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 no, there, it's very right. clear. Yeah, uh,
2: yeah the, the sexual kind of pen of a lot of this utop- new utopia seems to indicate that hey, it could be that Wolverine and Cyclops are also a couple. Like, there's a lot more physicality between them across books. Actually, you see it. There's times even in Giant Size and here where, um, and even the, the pre- book previous in in Powers of uh, uh, Ten and House of X, like Cyclops is touching his arm or Wolverine will hold him by the abdomen. There's Either they're really, really new now, close friends, as at least supported by what he said he's the, he's the best man I've ever known, or maybe there's more to it than that. But you know, mm. it's not like it's not like the X Men haven't had tons
1: of sexual, uh, you know, relationships. Um, the love triangles and, and, are plentiful, but even go back yeah. like, to the opening page of this whole thing, X Men number one, opening page, you have Xavier kind of obviously recruiting Cyclops for the first time, right? And opening your eyes and, and oh oh. Yeah. You know, my boy, the things I'm going to show you, right? So yeah. we're assuming this is Xavier at the point where he's been shown by Moira in this lifetime everything that he needs to know. And obviously, Xavier has chosen Cyclops to be his, you know, uh, commander-in-chief, um, go-to guy and going his, forward. his son, kind of, right? He's, like, adopted him, really. Yeah. So, you know, again, I the challenge of believing everything I've known until now has actually happened... How has it? You know, it's just that that, that buy, in I'm still kind of hesitant on. I'm still accepting this world for what it is, but I'm not accepting it as it came from what once was. If that makes sense. Like the full retcon that Xavier now knows that this is the whatever the ninth time Moira's tried to save yeah, save everybody. Like, everybody and- we're living this life, but this isn't. You know, this isn't where we came from. Right? I it, guess can't be. There's there's too there's too many holes. Right? It's, there are some similarities that they reference. And it, continu- we can argue about continuity all day long, right? But there's a lot of fundamental things that are vastly different. Because again, we went from an X-Men were in a crappy spot, right? So it's easy to say, you know what? It was such a mess. Let's just flush it and totally start new and not care about every little thing that came before, right? So if you can separate yourself from that previous continuity and not overly stress, yeah, let's say Cyclops Gene and Wolverine it, it was always there sure, let's go for it. It's fine. Let's move past it, enjoy where we are today, and not worry about where we were 10, 20, 30 years ago.
0: Well, I mean, Marvel or generally... Just yeah, I mean, Marvel's also always kind of been like, everything happened, but also, it couldn't all happen, but it but it did happen. Whereas, like, you know, the, I guess Marvel, fundamentally, has always kind of the idea of, like, the no prize, and being able to kind of work or make things work, is kind of fundamentally in the in the Marvel fans' DNA, of how Marvel's always kind of approached it. They've been like, yeah, it all, it all fits, and if you want it to fit, you can, you can make it fit, and you can come up with reasons for it to work, because they're not going to pull a DC and, and just sweep it all away and say, we're just going to start fresh. Everything happened, but maybe not quite, you know what I mean? Like, everything happened somehow. But it also didn't happen somehow, and you just have to kind of roll with it. And depending on the writer, some of that history will be reflected more, and sometimes it'll be a different history that's reflected more. And so there are you know, equal times where a, a whole swath of history will be referenced, and it means more, and there's a time when another one does. But it still all matters. And it's just, can you get a, you know, around that enough? and I think generally speaking, I think the answer is yes because I want to enjoy the stories, I want to see where they're going, and I do appreciate when they do certain callbacks, and those are always nice um, you know, but, cause, but they see,
1: there you go, you give it that blind spot and then they reference something that makes sense, but it's like but, uh, you're trying to tell me that you are, but you're really not like, if Xavier and Magneto, in the past got heads up by Moira, hey you two fuckers, work together, you dumb nuts get it together, because you guys got to be unified for this to work well, there have been a point of Fatal Extractions where he ripped that movie, that adamantium, and all that kind of nonsense. No, they were working together from the get go. So, at what point would all this crappy stuff happen? Would the onslaught even happened? Like, does it make any sense? I don't know. Like it
0: I mean, I feel like they can, if you want it to. Like, and I guess that's the point. <laughs> if you really want it to work, you can figure it out, and you can come up with a a plausible. And I, I guess from a writer's perspective, they're kind of like, well, that's a story that's not been told, but that doesn't mean it's necessarily a you know a deficit. They're they've they've jumped.
2: Which is what the story of Moira was, right? Like, I think a lot of us uh, all agree that that's that retcon to Moira was great. I don't, I haven't heard anyone just saying that it's not good. I mean, I know that it creates holes, and we talked about a few of them last last time, last episode, but overall, I think it makes Moira so much more central to the X Men universe. It makes more sense to by a low flat scan, which is so, simple, so, simple, so easy to it's in trouble with and of storylines. so important. Um, and, and so I love it. I, I love how it changes things enough that it makes me ask all these questions now, and I want to hear those other stories. And if I didn't know about this retcon, I would not have any questions or cares at all about where Moira is. As far as I'm concerned, she's been dead since she died trying to cure the Legacy virus. So yeah, I, I think as long as a story or retcon makes us want more, as long as it makes us ask for more, I think it's I think it's pick up And ultimately, I mean. There's a lot of storylines that absolutely have happened, whatever that means, and aren't being questioned by the storyline that I would like to not remember, that I would like to not count as part of this universe. There are lots of things like when they brought back Joseph for the Not a Hero storyline, which is drunk, drawn by one of my favorite artists, but you know I don't think it was a good story. It made Joseph a crazy, evil character, and I'm like, that was the thing that was so cool about him he that he wasn't Magneto, or remembering that Magneto in the Silver Age was just a crazy magnet Nazi. He was just a bad guy, and he was he didn't have any of that cool background that, that Claremont eventually gave him. He called his team the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, for goodness sake. Like He was just a bad guy with no motivations. And we like to forget that Magneto is now this rich and complex character. But if you go back and read the old X-Men he's, he's really a one-note nothing character. I, I want to forget that. I want to forget every time that Pietro... Talks about how beautiful he thinks his sister is. I'm going to forget that, like you know. And and Mark Millar, when he wrote Ultimates, was like, no, I remember those issues of the Silver Age. I'm going to basically make these two an incestuous couple. And the Ultimates are kind of like, okay, so it's all about picking and choosing what you want to remember anyway, because this is this, you know, is too much history. We're going on almost a hundred years of Marvel history.
0: Mm. Actually, it, Nate, it's interesting. I remember that Mark Millar. At least Mark Millar had enough taste, if you can call it that, to never. Be like, never put the finger on the button with uh, the Maximoffs. Like he, there was heavy, heavy illusions, but he never really like put a button on it. But Jeff Loeb, no, 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 not to be outdone, he made sure that he made you know a character explain to Captain America, no, no, they're in love with each other, and I'm like, what? Why?
2: Like, although I will say, Hitch, some of Hitch's drawings did what what marks scripts didn't do so yes. Hitchie's sorry I call him Hitchie uh, he's, he's not a friend of mine uh, Brian Hitchie's work it was a lot about entangling their limbs together and and all this um, and, and it's funny too because I don't know I, WandaVision is out <laughs> we're, we're watching WandaVision it's on my mind you know again when you get all the androids in the hallway and think about how attractive they are like Mark likes to go with places with things that were well, kind of these weird throwaway things that no one's talking about thing. It's a charming thing. Oh, here's another one: Xavier having the hots for teenage Jean Grey and hoping that she'll be his like he could get with her in one of the early issues of X Men on the X Men. Like that's also demented He's not very pedophilic, pedophilic right? Like we don't want to think about that or etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So yeah. well,
0: I guess although Mark I mean, wade Paul's thought Mark wade thought about it and made sure to remind us of that of X Men fifty three in 1996. <laughs>
2: I mean, again we come back to the motor oil licking Psylocke like what happened to Bessie Braddock that this princess <laughs> she's like royalty or whatever and then now is in a ninja's body is licking off motor oil off people it's yeah, we just forget oh, or remember the things with a, with a grain of salt that you're like this is silly whatever
0: Yeah, I, uh, I, I mean I like sorry go ahead Oh, I was just going to say, kind of off. I know Paul had mentioned something about the most recent issue of X Men, so I just leafed through it. I'm like, oh my god, it looks so 90s. I think I like it. But it's like, I forgot that Brett Booth is coming on the book, and Brett Booth has a very kind of nine, like a much more different style. I would actually say this is looking through it briefly, that that's probably my favorite Brett Booth artwork in a long time because he's been at DC forever, and I just haven't been enjoying it. So I'm excited to see what he brings to X Men. Sorry about the kind of going off.
2: Well, no, I think we can bring this back to Lionel Yu and talk about oh, yeah. him. I remember I remember Lionel Yu when I first saw him on Wolverine um, back in the 90s. Always really liked his rendering. I think his abilities is – some might call it over-rendering. I don't, I don't agree. I really like his over-rendered faces and textures. Uh, definitely very strong storytelling here. He's an interesting artist because he goes back and forth between cheesecakey – not even – definitely there's the weird cheesecakey, like the, the body the, – the exaggerated bodies of women that he'll draw. But but I mean like he'll he'll draw really great angles and um, uh, creative camera shots if I can call them camera shots but then he'll also do characters that are just straight on like they look two dimensional and you on the cover on the page, I guess this is a short you've got a picture of Rachel Summers and she you know she looks like she's just a flat cutout and then you've got Wolverine who's now tilted and turned towards the camera, and he's got some depth behind. Him. So I think he's an interesting artist because when he's good, he's really, really good, and, and then when he looks like he's rushed, you're like, okay, yeah, that seems like it's rushed. So I really enjoyed him for this. I think overall he does a great job with this trade, um, but there are times. That's fine, I didn't notice that. It's like, crap, we've got prestige. Quick, throw her in there. We'll Photoshop her in. <laughs> You just kind of forgotten, and you were talking about costumes before too. And when we get to X Factor, we can you know, I guess talk about that. Like that's one of the first book where you're like, okay, we're going to have a united costume. We're all going to have a styled costume that unites the X Factor team. Did I say X Factor. You're right. X Factor.
1: Um,
2: that that really feels very united. I don't think I can see that in any other book. But yeah, she she definitely gets a big change to her, her costume. Yeah,
1: Rachel Polaris does as well.
2: Yeah. And North Star and stuff like that. Um, So this storyline, the first one in issue one, I'm sure we won't want to spend too long in issue one. Pax Krakoa. This is where I get back to Hickman's love of politics and political science so clearly. He's used the Pax phrase before, uh, which of course is Latin for peace. So peace Krakoa, just like Pax Americana and Pax Romania and Pax Britannia. So now he's saying that this is a new world order. This is a global world order Um, And I do love that he sets it up later on to have a conversation with a bunch of other world leaders uh, on their own terms. And I guess we'll talk about the silly suits that they wear when we get there. But uh, overall, I think it sets up a lot of interesting things. I'm not a huge fan of the vaults. I know that it's like, here's the vault stuff. We're going to give you a little bit of like dealing with human supremacists. We're going to talk about the orcas stuff. So at least he's juggling all the balls the first one or two issues. And he's letting us know what he's going to be dealing with. And and it's true. He does. So that's
0: good. From a strike team perspective that you're mentioning, I do like that when they're in you know the hub you have you know storms there to kind of grow the gate and I, again i love this idea of using that technology as a kind of a way a jump gate for them to kind of jump out of a dangerous situation i think that's just a cool idea like when you when you see that and you see storm kind of using her abilities i don't know if she can actually do that from her hands but the x-men animated series would basically say that she could so i guess it's allowed but you know it's, yeah. it's but it's just neat to see um you know that the, the the thought that's kind of going into this is how a strike force would have to operate, they'd have to have a way of getting out, and this is their way of doing that. So apparently, she can just use her powers from her hand.
1: And do they essentially rescue all of Grant Morrison and Frank Quitely's rejects that make their uh, new X Men run?
0: Uh, there's just a lot of kids. I mean, I don't think there's any specific ones.
1: I do like
2: what about of of very clear point.
1: mutants, right?
2: Yeah, I do like that about Quietly's um, – that, yeah, they, they're like not everyone's a pretty pretty. And the Morlocks were a society that they had to run below ground because – I mean there's a lot there too to unpack about Xavier's school and that he only, only gathered in attractive X-Men. And then the fact that he's also checking out some of his students, his little, you know, his little office, thinking about how attractive they are. So, there, I mean it, there's, there's the gross stuff, but then there's also just the kind of idea of people – People advancing who they consider to be classically more attractive than others. Like, when you go to apply for a job, you're more likely to get that job if you're more, whatever that means, classically attractive. Um, and, and so this is like a minority group. And so inside of that minority group, there's also sub-hierarchies of the unattractive ones are the Morlocks, and they'd had to live in the sewers. And at, at some point, that was kind of ended. That was drawn to an end. So I like that new the new X-Men uh, series says, yeah, there are no more locks for us. There are no pretty X Men and, and, and mutant mutants. It's all together as a family. So I do like that feeling of gathering in everyone together, even the ones who might be considered, you know, unappealing, like the Squid Girl.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of I, I do like when they use characters like that again to kind of show that you know mutants do come and you know a lot of a lot of different sizes and shapes and it's not just as you said the kind of the the pretty pretties that we're used to
2: yeah because a lot of excellence that makes some really really attractive people
0: um, better at what's... How, how does, I mean, we talked, I mean, in the last episode talking about, you, you know, kind of the Hickman era, about, again, characterization not always being maybe the best thing that he's he's good at. And he's juggling so many different characters in interpersonal relationships. I mean, that's always been kind of a hallmark of the X-Men, right? There's so many characters and so many different con- uh, connections. It is weird, and at least he addresses this, I don't know, nine issues later, but to have a character like, you know, Vulcan just back. Like a character that has again a lot of baggage. Again, I like that it's not forgotten when we eventually get there. But like, okay. when you first get there, this first issue, you're kind of like, what? Like, ha- he's just there and he's just chilling out in the moon. Like, there's I have questions.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you, like, what? Where the heck was Vulcan before this? After, the, like, he was the Emperor of uh, the you know Shi'ar, and he had that whole genocidal war, and he
0: was over, he was he was thrown off of his throne. But I don't know what happened after that. I mean, he, he disappeared during War of Kings, um, and that's when, and I think that's part of his kind of final battle is what created the, the, the kind of that vault, that energy force, the, that gap in dimensions where I, I guess eventually the, the kind of the Cthulhu-verse, for lack of a better term, kind of came through, the Cancer-verse. Um, but I don't think we ever really saw him after that. Um, because Black Bolt was supposed to have died, he didn't, obviously, and so. But Vulcan was the one kind of left unknown for like eight years. Like it's been a long time, and now he's just back.
2: Yeah, that that does seem like something needs to be addressed. But also, same thing with Cyclops. It's like, how do we even feel about this scene of him in issue one with Polaris and her talking about like having kids? He's like, this is now a real thing, and it's because I believe in it. It's now real because I believed in it, and then. She- that's obvious, like with all my heart. um This is coming off of years of him going from killing his mentor as a Phoenix and ruling over controlling Utopia and creating an X Force team to go and be like the, the networks to go and kill and assassinate and do whatever needs to be done. It was a lot of I do what needs to be done. And he went really dark for a great number of years. He was doing a lot of things that were maybe understandable from his point of view because he's trying to protect less than 200 mutants on the planet. Like, it was an extinction agenda, if I could call it that. Um, so now, is it okay that he's a hopeful scion of Xavier, that he's back to being a dreamer? Is everyone okay with that? Uh,
0: I kind of... I mean, again, it's... How much do you want to believe of what happened, happened? And also... You know, the idea is like, look, what's really going on in Krakoa too? Like, again, we talked before about, you know, what is, is is there something to the Kool-Aid on Krakoa? Like, is it just these characters just finally having everything they've ever wanted? Or is there there an influence happening both through Xavier and through Krakoa itself that's just making people a little bit different than they were? And maybe that's part of what that is. And also, you know, this is what he wanted. And he didn't want to kill Xavier. He didn't... He regretted that, obviously. Like, that was something he did when he was possessed. So his mentor is back. He find Like, finally, mutants have a place that's safe. Um, and they have a, a mechanism to keep them safe. And have everything they ever wanted. And it's not, you know, as... Uh, kind of limiting as Utopia was. It's connected to everywhere in the world because of the Kirkoan gates and being able to go anywhere. It is also interesting and telling that, you know, he his own habitat isn't even on Earth. It's, you know, on the moon. What does that mean? So I I don't know. I, I feel like there's a lot of questions there, but I feel like that's again part of the long game. You know, it's interesting to see Cyclops in not necessarily a subservient role, but he was the leader. He was the guy. Yeah. And now he's yeah. not. And maybe for him that's good. Maybe that's, you know, it's for a guy who maybe didn't want to have to take on that burden of, you know, being that compromise between Xavier and Magneto and really having to to do the work, and not just being about ideology, but also about how do we actually do this in real life, because you know, my mentor and my enemy are gone, and I have to do this now. Well, now he doesn't have to shoulder that burden. He can be, you know, the commander of the commanders, and just, you know, it's easier for maybe him to live the dream and to, and you know, fight the mission, as opposed to having to be the one shoulder at all.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's telling that he's not even on the Quiet Council, right? That's the kind of thing that if you were to ask me before this started, what, you know, who do you think would be on that council? I'd be like, well, Cyclops. Like, I, I would think, you know, Xavier, Magneto, Cyclops, that's someone what I would go with. But it's it's in a way better that it's Kurt and not him. Mm-hmm. Kurt's that moral compass of the team, where Cyclops has been, definitely been compromised. I would say that he's kind of boring now because for so many years it was like, Cyclops was right. And I could see if your species was on the verge of extinction, do anything you could to protect your family. And the choices that he made, he wasn't, you know, crazy being taken over by the Phoenix, but when he was doing other things, again, like X-Force, I could kind of see him as this desperate man struggling to make as many good choices as he can. And I found him compelling. I found Cyclops extremely compelling in that time period. I didn't find him very compelling. in Joss Whedon's run, um, I, he's okay in new X-Men, uh, Morrison's new X-Men, I'm fine with, with like, he's okay. I like how they characterize him as like he was the homecoming king or the prom king, like he's just kind of that. So, so now I'm like, well he's just kind of, he is absurd, he's kind of boring. But then when they do the storyline of kids, he's just going to be a dad, that stuff, I'm like, oh that's good, that's that's okay. Rather than having Cyclops not be the big head of everything and just fade away in the background, having him just try to do right by his kids is awesome actually i think that's compelling enough on its own that i i, I like that i want to read more about him going on play dates if you that. okay but at,
1: was he ever in the history of cyclops ever hey kids what up pops let's go for a field trip today like no. how well, he, did that scene all kind
0: i mean of he like. never got the chance to do that but also like his right. relationship with kid cable is different because i mean kid cable is the reason why cyclops is even alive I mean Sure, if
1: we're following continuity, fine. What about Rachel though? He's never ever spoken to Rachel like that. Ever. Yeah. I mean again for a
0: long time. uh, Rachel's one of those characters where there's so much baggage and I just don't I I almost don't have any use for the character. Like I just I don't find her that interesting. I think she was maybe interesting back in the Excalibur days. She
2: was an Excalibur character. Yeah she's Excalibur, right? Like outside of Excalibur, she's had no real purpose.
0: No, well, I mean, yeah, I, again, her early days as an ex-character, I would say, you know, she was in the X-Men book before Excalibur happened, and she was fine yeah, but there.
1: she's really an Excalibur character, I mean, meaningfully. Yeah. yeah and I, then, I want to like yeah. her. I really, I, I've, something about her I've always been attracted to, so I really wanted to, I remember Rising Fall of the Empire, they, they made her kind of a focus for a little bit there, she's a character I really wanted to finally grow her wings and, and become something, so I'm hoping we'll see that at some point, but... Um, but yeah, it's just again that that issue too. You know, again a weird issue where Cyclops interacting with those two characters was again something weird and di- something I'm not used to. Right, took me outside my comfort zone a bit because like, whoa, this is much different. It makes sense. It's cool. I I like the parental aspect that he's trying to pull off with it. But how older? Th- how old is Kid Cable and Rachel at this point?
0: I mean, Kid Cable's basically a teenager-ish, maybe I like you know, or I I think he's 17? pretty. Yeah, I'd say he's pretty young. I mean, and they definitely play him that way, um, which is enjoyable because we're not used to seeing that, although he's basically Nate Gray. Where is my poor Nate Gray? I mean, like, that's all Kid Cable is.
2: But Nate but Nate has extra baggage that this Nate doesn't have. True. Just Nathaniel doesn't have, right? Because, like, the,
0: Nate Gray is the AOA. I know. Like, super Dyspokian. I'm not
2: saying that, that this Cable also doesn't have this it, but I just feel like he's a little bit fresher, he's a little bit more, I feel like he's more likely to be like, yeah, Pop, than a, than uh, X-Men
0: would be. Yeah, no, I think you're right, and, and again, it's one of those things where, again, you almost have to turn off your continuity brain a little, because I do wonder, like, wait, what's Kid Cable's story again? Like, who raised him? Because, I mean, like, everything we know about Cable, <laughs> and being raised in the future, that was, you know, old man Cable, and I don't remember how yeah. Kid Cable kind of interacts with that, but it's one of those well, things where... Of you... course it's... Of course it's the Ascani mother, who is Rachel, right? Right? <laughs> well, but
2: what But what I would say is I want to come back to what Adam said before. I really like that idea of that there's something going on perhaps with the Resurrections system that gets played on with a little bit with, with Domino later in X-Force, we'll talk about it, that you can come back and you can come back not entirely as you were. And the person who gets to play with that is the weird... The maker. I'm not the maker of Xavier. Um, and so she comes back without certain memories. Well, aren't there ways to kind of change people's personalities? Or if you have them come back without certain memories, won't that change their personality to a degree? So there's that aspect that has me asking questions. And then I also like what Adam said about the nature of do There's a lot about – especially in X-Force again because that's where – people are going to say this, Black Tom is I can't believe how much I know about Black Tom and I'm interested in what Black Tom says but now he's like, there's spores everywhere they have a, a defense system of spores all around the island and then there's all these like different planetary vegetation systems on the ground that are talking to each other and they're secreting things and then there's the psychic energies of, of Pro, and they demand the sacrifice of like they, it saps the psychic energy of the entire island and then it requires a sacrifice of two mutants a year And I'm like, okay, that's got to have ramifications. Are there spores and pollens getting into them that are making them in the image of Krakoa? Is there a plan that Xavier and Magneto and Moira have going on in their little sub bubble room where they're like talking to Krakoa? Things like make the X Men more likely to be a family, make the X Men want to have babies. Kurt's right. We got to have the X Men. You know, the mutants really want to you know be horny and have children. Like they could be doing stuff like that. So there is an element of it that, that almost pauses behind the where although Paul's concerns are no-prized, right? Oh, the, the pollen made them do it. <laughs> um, and, and the second thing I wanted to bring up was yeah, there is, speaking of holes in X-Men continuity, how the ex-parents, and I'm going to talk specifically about uh, Scott and Jean and Madeline, let's not forget Madeline, how they've dealt with their kids, their weird time, out-of-time children, has always been off-putting. There's every once in a while. There's a panel where Gene talks to Rachel, in one of the '90s X books, and she's like, almost. There's almost a connection made between them, and then it's gone, and then they don't talk for years. And we know that as Red and Slim Scott and Gene travel to the far flung future and raise their sweet boy from a baby, and they have all these memories still. And he doesn't know, you know, who those people were exactly. They weren't his parents. They weren't his parents. And when he comes back in time as a sixty year old. He's got this 30-year-old man with a visor who's like, hey, son. It's, it's always been stilted. It's always been like there's no connection. There's no love. So I've always felt that's messed up. Like it's 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 gap, this upsetting gap. So to see that kind of – yeah, you know what? The same way that those kids were babies and then in the future and then back as adults without real explanation and we never really talk about what's missing, I'm OK with the Summers family – just skipping and going, you know what? We're full of spores, and we've been resurrected. You're a family again. I'm okay with that, I guess, because I just—I've always wanted to see it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think there were, yeah, as you said, there was brief moments where they would have like familiarity, and, and you'd have a sense of family, like especially after Cyclops died in the twelve. There was a lot they played on that a lot with Cable joining the X Men and being and there being a lot of connection between him and Jean. Um, so they definitely have at times played with that, and you know, Cable's an interesting character too because as he became more popular and they figured out more to do with him and more of the retcons of who exactly he was, there was definitely a series of de-aging that happened with Cable, um, where the Cable that we got when Rob Liefeld first created him and the Cable seven years later felt like you know much younger man like they had kind of tried to do what they could to oh maybe we shouldn't have him be a 60 year old man uh maybe he should be you know younger and more attractive and we could do you know more soap opera things and have him be with domino and maybe with storm and like can't do that if he's old and it just seems creepy uh to go back to the point of like you know xavier being creepy and lusting over his children uh they're in his care so they don't want to do that so but yeah, I, I think I'm with you. I'm, I'm happy to just kind of see them operating as a family unit. Um, yeah, maybe it doesn't always make sense uh, with Rachel to kind of have that familiarity uh, with Scott. But again, we don't know what's happened in the min- I mean, Paul's number one problem to begin with was what happened between, you know, House of X number one and, you know, Xavier saying, here we are. We are in Kokoa, We are Mutant Heroes Roar. What happened between that and the last issue of Uncanny X-Men, which was a complete... Giant gap in the middle, and no one has seemed to have any interest in telling that story. But there's a story in there, so you can kind of make up any no prize you want because it all fits into that 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 period.
2: And it is very abrupt too. Like this panel, which is the first um, of issue two. This is the first panel of issue two. <laughs> in a room and saying, "Kids," <laughs> like that's not how he's really. No, he's not progressive It's a mind boggler. And then, what I do like, give him credit for too, the kid, and he's like, hello, father. Very formal. And he's like, what's up, dad? Like, I, I like that there is even a sense sort of, Rachel's been around longer in the 616 or six universe. And she kind of has that, this hello, father. She's almost older. She's probably 20. And, uh, 20. and then for Cable, who's kind of just like, yeah, you know, I was a baby and I was raised by Red and Slim. Let's pretend but that that's, that's, And then they left him when he was whatever. I don't know how old. I don't remember how old he was, eight. I don't know. How old was he when they left?
0: I don't remember. I mean, they raised him for like a while. So I guess he was probably like an early teenager.
2: Let's say, okay, let's say around 10. And then some time goes by, dystopia, dystopia, dystopia. He ends up here and he's a 17-year-old. So I don't know. I guess I'm like, it's okay for me to see how he might be a little bit closer to Psych than Rachel. She still calls him, hello, father. And he's like, what's up, dad? I don't know. I, I like that there's a differentiation I like that they fight I like that they have this kind of back and forth banter As brother and sister might And that doesn't really go away when you get older At least not in my experience Yeah, I'm not as petulant as I was kid, But I still kind of pick up my So I don't know, I see in them The kind of relationship that It's not caustic, it's not toxic They, they seem to care for each other But mm-hmm. that dynamic is I think it works I, didn't think, I never thought it would <laughs> if you told me that this is what was going on, I'd be like, what? Like, they get to go hunting monsters together and be gone.
0: How does, how does everyone feel about the other islands? Like, we just got used to Krakoa and then boom, another island. Yeah, Here we go.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I get Morocco. it now because it, it leads to something much later, but again, interesting that you wouldn't Continue on where you where you've built already, rather than starting to plant new stuff so quickly. Like I've already been bombarded with this new status quo. Like ease me in and, and let's 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 carry go down a few more paths before you go. No, no, here's white naked dude and island sex. Go. And it wouldn't, and I, I love the island sex, but, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't be so weird,
2: or not weird, maybe that's the wrong word, if it wasn't for you read East of West, you read Red, Red Mask for Mars, you read Manhattan's Project, you read all these things, and, and you read Infinity, and to an extent, uh, mostly Infinity with, uh, with uh, these Avengers, of few This is the kind of character design. Apparently, in, uh, he's doodling this almost exact same image. Or all of his artists, I don't know what's going on. Or he's just like he just opens up an issue of East of West. He's like, do that again. It's the same. I, it's the sameness that I don't understand. Yeah, Why the maker is Xavier and long-haired white guy with black eyes. I swear I saw that in, in, in an issue of Avengers or Avengers. You know, I think I could go find it if we wanted to. So, but you, you make I, it gold and give it horns. It's ex-Hugo. basically. So, I mean, maybe I I don't want to beat a dead horse here with this. It's just uh, when I – the only reason why I bring it up is I'm not trying to dump on Hickman. I think he's doing great work right now. It's just when I see something that looks like it's a pretty big lot a bunch of times, I am immediately, like, disinterested. I'm like, okay, in in the past, he's done uh, done a done-in-one, and it's been a monster that has come from the ground or something or a portal. And then they can't understand what it is, and then it goes away promising to have great ramifications for the universe. My, in my mind, I'm like, okay, I guess the, the father-son-daughter stuff is over now, and then should I just skip to the end? That was my thought. I, of course, I read it, but my thought was, well, this doesn't matter. And I know that that the planets—sorry, the islands merging matter, but even having read two volumes of Excalibur, I'm like, I don't see any of these. Maybe, that, maybe I'll be proven wrong, but yeah, that was the weaker part of those issues, that aspect. But horticulture— i don't know i'm down with these karens <laughs> you're down with the golden girls eh i'm down with the golden girls coming in and being like we are scientists and we're brilliant and we love plants and you guys have a whole thing going on with plants and i love that there's a savage land i love that the savage land is part of their their extended ecosystem i love that later that's what pietro goes so Piotr goes to farm um so this whole thing where Emma, who's usually used to being very much in charge, she can't use her mental powers on them, and then they like insult her, and they Look do this great face. job, yeah. of her face of like just the, oh, like it's so good. how dare they, right? And and yeah. Sebastian's laughing. Like all of the characters are acting exactly the how I would expect them to act. The, the, the characterization is quite good amongst Sebastian Shaw and Emma Frost and St- and Cyclops, St- St- who seems to. What's the relationship with Cyclops and Emma? Like, they still... They're, they're kind of chill. They're kind of cool. Like, Emma and Jean go get beers together now on Kokoa, and Emma and
1: Scott are no longer, like, in a weird place. Like, she still talks about how she loves him, in a way. and There's probably a gate in the closet somewhere <laughs> they can just go visit each other.
2: <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. She's like, so dear, if you could hit these ladies harder than you normally would, it would make me love or you even more. Yeah. yeah, like, that's not the kind of thing that an ex-girlfriend says... Unironically, I would hope not. So, yeah, maybe there's a little side shindigil.
1: But, so, yeah, the look on that face, like, I'm not much for original art, but getting that that piece would be, uh, would be that page would be great. It, it is well done. It's, it's really good. It's a perfect size it's panel so it tells you everything. For a it's very clean. Right? do not have a lot of those extra lines and shit on it. It's a very clean looking panel. Hmm. As opposed to,
2: I guess, this Sebastian Shaw later on who's yes. all the lines. The I like his over rendered stuff though. It's almost like he can do no wrong with the rendering. Um, yeah, and so they just kind of cast the X-Men unawares, beat the crap out of Shaw. <laughs> um, it does seem like everybody needs to have a neutralizer weapon of some kind. They mm-hmm. have this pop, this sappy pollen thing stuff that neutralizes Shaw so he can't absorb all the blows. And they can deflect the men- mental attacks of the White Queen. But I guess you have to, right? If you're going to have human supremacists using technology and they can't use technology to stop them, then, yeah, they're going to get blasted to bits. Like Cyclops does a huge blast and knocks them all on, the- on their butts. Like, yeah, you kind of have to. Yeah, I mean, that's what breaks the their head if he falls for the trap. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, that's what made the Sentinels so scary and especially Nimrod. Nimrod can neutralize you anytime he wants or he wants. And to some extent, the larger Sentinels, too, they would grab you with coils, they would hit you with knockout gas, like they would scan you trying try to find your weakness. So that constant threat of the thing that makes you special, the thing that makes you powerful being taken away from you, does keep them on their toes. It doesn't make this Pax Perkoa feel like they're really in charge of the world. It makes it feel like there's something to be scared of, which I think you need. Hmm. I like this.
0: It's interesting. I feel like I, I enjoyed this issue more in the reread than I think when it was originally as a single issue. And again, it was, I think, something about the the gap between having issues because, you know, when you only have an issue a month and this is it and you just had a in one and then we kind of have another one and it's just kind of like they're just throwing something in new and then the characters disappear. It's kind of like, okay, like, you know, what is there a connective tissue here? And I guess part of this is... Not even Hickman's fault, because you know you used to get done on one issues all the time, and they weren't referencing you know what happened necessarily in the issue before. They just kind of you know did a new story, and sometimes you've had some connective tissue. And I feel like have especially with someone like Hickman, who does play the long game, does play con- you know everything being connected. It feels more, it feels weirder to read something that it doesn't have that level of connection. So I, I think I definitely enjoyed it more on the reread as part of the collection, as opposed to when I first read it when I was kind of like I don't know. What, what's yeah, going on here? Why? I agree. Why I are we doing first this? Thing, Like,
1: what is this? Why are these old ladies here? Go away! What's happening? Like, you already done so much. Now my my super because all the supervillains are part of the Quiet Council. I got no one to fight. So here's three, four grandmothers to beat up. Like, come on! Like, it was like my initial was like, ah. Uh... Very frustrating.
0: And again, it's because it's because he but it's interesting because the reason why maybe we were disappointed at first is because House of X was such an explosion. It was such a, you know, grabby by the balls. Something exciting is happening. We're doing we're going to, you know, reframe your books, Adam. You
1: just hold your nuts the whole time. (laughs) Pardon me? Is that how you read your books? Just hold your nuts the whole time.
0: The entire time. (laughs)
1: But, I just don't know why people who don't have testicles
2: can't read X-Men <laughs> books. I don't understand
0: that. <laughs> but, like, you you, so you you were so excited about this new direction and all this new stuff. And then you get this fall, you know, you get the first issue, you're like, okay, cool. And then you got the second issue, I'm like, okay, now it's another island, and now in the third issue, all these old ladies, like, we're, are you building on my excitement, or are you just kind of coasting on my excitement from House of X? And again, part of why I think X-Force for me really grabbed me more is that it felt like I had a direction and an identity. It felt like I was really doing something with the world much faster and making it feel like there were stakes, where... I just didn't know what the stakes were in X-Men because it was just kind of like weird stuff was happening, but I didn't know if it really mattered. Uh, whereas X-Force felt like, holy crap, what happens next?
2: I also do like that they're... Oh, that's true. I also do like that they're taking swings at new threats, new villains. Um, I, I really feel like it's been a while since we've had anything memorable, and maybe horticulture's not the right one. I think Orcus is. I think Orcus yeah. is a good paramilitary human supremacist group made of... You know, they say we've had you know uh, lesser of evils. They've even gathered in some of the terrorist organization Hydra, Hydra and aimed to be part of this group. And they're like, "Yeah, uh, we're we're fine with eliminating all, committing genocide against all the mutants." But uh, even Hydra makes me feel a little bad about this. I'm like, really? That's that's you got a problem with Hydra? You're trying to build a mother mold to eliminate the quote unquote. I guess not. Quote unquote. They are going to. But this, this book also gives more opportunities to see her Koa stuff. And I have this great scene with Jean and Emma. You know, you really haven't seen them together, at least nothing like this, since X-Men, since Morse's an X-Men. And they're all just going back and forth. Emma, nice of you to show up uh, in the wind. Not a, not a hair out of place, uh, says Emma. And then Jean says, gotta tell you, I love those shoes. And Emma says, why, thank you, Jean. I would, I would offer to let you borrow them, but I think they're a couple sizes too small. Right? Just back and forth, and it ends with like' a buy you know we'll have a drink together so it's like they have this almost friendly rivalry but it's a new, it's a new era that's the kind of thing I want to see any of these interactions with characters that I I really want to know more about I want to see Emma interacting with the dead hellions that she was that she lost years ago I want to see Kurt interacting with more characters you get a little bit of that in Marauders mm-hmm. uh, with him and Kitty and trying to be really bond and get close together so I am even if the even if I didn't like this horticulture fight, which we do, I would still be happy with what I got from X Men interactions. I'm more I crave that more than anything else. And I guess as a kid, I was like, I want to see big splash pages of people fighting each other. And there's some cool laser beams in this optic glass in this issue, but I, I could care less about this awesome Beautiful mm. art of Cyclops' muscles. I, I love the stuff with Emma being shocked at being spoken to that way and her back and forth with Gene like that. I'm down for that. I could shoot pages of that.
0: Are, are Cyclops and Jean Gray still married?
2: When you die and come back, what happens? In the, in the vows, it says, Till death do us part.
0: <laughs> like she died, so, and he moved on, obviously, with Emma, and then he died. It, I and mean, then he died. Yep. And then he came back. And then when he came back, died again. Jean was already Jean de- <laughs> was already dead, or at least disappeared. Um, and then we we briefly got a moment of him and and Gene meeting each other again in like the last issue of Rosenberg's Uncanny before everything got relaunched. So we kind of didn't really get to see the true impact of them seeing each other again and i don't remember where emma was in in all of that like if emma even knew that you know cyclops was 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 back so i'm just curious yeah what's going on there but again i know
1: Jean goes right to cyclops they're making out and wolverine's sad in the background so hmm oh no they've been through some this whole time don't worry (laughs) maybe she never died she's still wearing her old costume she never changed ever in a thousand years i don't know I, I don't like the costume either. I guess I I don't know who said this. If it was actually
2: a comic or not, I guess she's like trying to go back to the space or the place before the red the, 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 the North Phoenix Phoenix. Maybe that's supposed to represent her place in her mind. I don't know, but I agree. I don't I don't think it's a nice costume. I think, but she's she so actually much older
1: now. Ready. She would have outgrown that costume, right? She would have evolved into something else. It's, it's a weird, it's a yeah, weird I, choice. I see. And is. there's no real explanation for it. I, I know has he, been asked about it, and then he says, oh, don't worry. In giant size, she's going to wear this costume, and she should be in green and yellow. That's only the only color she should ever wear, not blue. And there was like a weird interview where that was his answer, but it just seems like he maybe he likes to flirt with that costume and I think she looks pretty in it for you know kinky cosplay. I don't know. But uh, it's... Uh, it is it is yeah. the one glaring weird why is she in her old original costume? Mm. Yeah, especially because I don't
2: I don't think it's iconic, but I don't think it's good. <laughs> no, her X Factor costume I like much more. Mm. Um, yeah. Okay. So, do we want to you want to talk about the suits? You want to talk about Davos?
0: Ah uh, well, we should, we should. Are we skipping over the uh, the incoming interlude?
2: Um, I was. I, I don't know. Is there is there anything worth talking about
0: here? <laughs> um, I I liked it. Um, it's what like four or five pages. Um, yeah. Again, it's more like kind of tantalizing, right? Because it kind of sets up. You know, uh, Frank. You know, uh, Sinister wanting to Michael. get Franklin Richards. You know, um, DNA, which I kind of thought he would have somehow gotten already. Um, but it's 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 a fun little. I like the art on it. I mean, it's it's short and sweet. Um, the art is by uh, isn't it by Silva? Yeah, it's by RB Silva. So again, from the creative team on uh, House of uh, sorry, um, not House of X, uh, Powers of Ten. So it felt again almost out of place in the book because you have so much uh, Lionel Francis Yu with his own kind of. You know, colorist. Um, so it was nice to have a more kind of modern color look.
2: Yeah, you'd think Franklin's DNA would be possible to get fairly really easily. I mean, he made a counter Earth on the <laughs> other side of the, of the sun, and you got to figure there's some kind of Franklin juju or whatever juice there. But uh, yeah, I don't know. You'd think. Possible awesome it. And he was Galactus
0: too. I don't know, but um, yeah. Actually, I have a question about. So, uh, just a general question about art. Um, one thing that definitely struck me, especially going back and reading House of X and Powers of Ten, and then coming into this, is that that all twelve issues of that was colored by uh, Mar- Marte Garcia, who has a, a beautiful color work, and it really pops. And then we move into this, and you have I guess Sunny Go doing issues one to four, and it feels it's just it's a flatter color. And I, 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 for me, it kind of took me down a little bit from, again, my level of excitement because I thought it maybe didn't do as much of a service to what they could have been doing for Lionel Francis Hugh's work because I felt like this this color palette didn't feel new. It didn't feel fresh. It didn't feel as vibrant as we'd seen with Garcia in the other 12 issues. And so, so that for me felt like a, a big step down artistically. And I think it impacted my overall view of Lionel Francis Hughes work. Cause I like his work, but it's, it's kind of wrapped up with the color presentation, which I thought was just not nearly as good.
2: Yeah. It's a bit muted. Of, yeah. There's a lot of shots of uh, Rachel's face that I feel like they lack a certain amount of depth. Or, i guess yeah. uh, space because um yeah it's very flat and i feel like a different colorist could do a bit more than with it I'm, j- I'm just showing some yeah.
1: so, i'm just Sh- show, audio about that yeah but. i know there, like there's a shot when after cyclops thank you so much uh blast the the, uh, the golden girls and there's like the the circle and the, and the kind of the energy steam coming from it but it's all the same red right it should be kind of glowing and different type of textures there to really make it the smoke kind of go yeah that one there Mm -hmm. i feel that could have been so much better if colored differently it
2: has a certain feel to it with this very strong stark red but i I agree i think i would like to see a little bit more depth or different color usage there there is something striking about it but I, i i definitely thought of it as a little off and so I'm not. I don't think I'm that we're just nitpicking it. at this point, really. Yeah,
1: this is this is definitely better than I could ever do. But um, oh, for sure. It, I, is, it is noticeable.
0: Yeah, I mean, at the but end yeah, of the day, it, yeah, it like,
1: really gorgeous art, and and and, and the first opening, uh, Hawks and Pox stuff, right? It was so beautiful, so vibrant. So, it, yeah, this. a bit of a step back. I can agree with your point, there, Adam.
0: So, talking about sense that. Sorry. Go ahead, Nate. Just gives a sense that Lionel really had a lot of time.
2: I had a leading time, and you see, even an issue. Whatever this is, so is four or five. With the what is, what issue is this? I think it's four. It's four with global economics. Yeah, like even the shots of the mountains and the the villages. Like there is a lot of extra detail there that in another case, or rendered so there's a lot that He's putting a lot of work into it, and I really there is a sense of place. Uh, great looks on the
0: people's faces yeah so Paul I have a question for you uh, next time I'm allowed to be uh, at your house since we're at, currently uh, at stay at home orders can you please ask April to serve the World Economic Forum dinner menu
2: <laughs> I will yes <laughs> I will watermelon garspaccio infused with <laughs> habanero and poblano chiles yep Shredded kale, mushrooms, bacon, parmesan. That seems a little easier for me. Yeah, I love wagyu. That's some good beef and Colbert sauce. Brioche Well, why trillette? does this exist? Why does this exist? Oh, why is the menu there? Why not? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, the attendance is what matters more—the people who are there than the than the menu. I guess it's just a bit of fun. I don't know. Why not? No, it,
1: it, right? But it's like it, the, the the amount of liberty and. The outside the box, this whole experiment, this whole um, process saying, Hickman, here are the keys, have at her butt, you know, and the fact that we have the menu listed in a book is just so fascinating that that's a thing now, you know? You've never seen that before in comics, right? It's it's very fascinating that this is... It adds a texture, right? It's world building. Yeah. It's fascinating.
2: I'm just counting the pages. Is it, did these info pages take
0: away at all from the art pages? The number of art. Pages? I don't think they do. No, they don't.
2: There's still 20 art pages, and so that means there's at least I think in this issue, uh, 22 pages then, including the, the text. I'm fine as long as you know, they don't shortchange us on the art, because I remember when comics used to be 22 pages.
0: <laughs> I uh, I yeah. do th- when I when I look at that page with the menu when they have the in, in attendance, I kind of thought that we might get. Some notable name that's kind of existed before in terms of, you know, again, the idea of world building and kind of making it feel lived in and making it feel connected to the grander world that we're part of or that we've been part of reading. I just thought that we might have had someone else that had some sort of connection or that we would recognize. And I don't think besides the Krakowin Council, obviously, I don't think there's anyone that we really would recognize.
2: Adam 100, Peter Dyrick.
0: I mean, I wouldn't be against it, but like even like back in the day, like you, you know when um, M was still like a brand new character, you know that you'd be be reading Uncanny X Men and you'd be talking about how you know I think it was X Men three hundred and thirty three. Where you know Cyclops shows up to at, at uh, Robert Kelly's place, and he's like basically saying that he got like word that he wanted to talk to him through a back channel coming through, um, you know Monet's father, um, who was Ambassador Saint Croix. And I'm just like, I like that yeah, kind of yeah. world building, and I just thought that this was an interesting opportunity to kind of again populate a name that we knew that would add some context. Again, yeah, that's super so. nitpicky. Yeah. Okay. Because
2: I mean. Like, yeah, cause, cause, I mean World Economic Forum or Davos is mostly I mean it does include lots of important people Um, but for business for billionaires and millionaires and uh, economists and people who work in in finance but it has ambassadors but a lot of people here are just business 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 academic as well so I guess unless Dal Cooper is the new US ambassador maybe maybe I guess I'm okay with this I mean even with um, Udari from Wakanda uh, I don't know Hodari as a name so I, I, I like to think that, that the, the editors of Marvel have already you know, delved into so many different characters and, and either Hickman knows of them himself or he's been informed about them that maybe everyone else, is, everyone else we know is being used elsewhere maybe though Cooper, Cooper is being used elsewhere I don't know
0: maybe, I mean it does look like Riley Marshall who's the US ambassador, he was the one in House of X number 1, so at least again it's the same character yeah, that's good uh, and it looks sure, like yeah. the uh, the Chinese ambassador is also the same one from House of X number one. So I guess he's at least using the same characters. Um, so I, I guess I take back my comment. He is using his own characters that we've already seen in another issue. I guess they weren't notable enough that we really recognize them, but at least there is a sense of continuity there. Uh, you know,
2: all about the, the the American or Western style suit. This is a very Western business style garment. This shirt and tie not. Um, it is odd I'm okay with Xavier, in fact I always thought Xavier should just be walking around like this anyway he was always walking around in a three piece suit so having him in a black onesie is weird Magneto, I would say he, I would think he would resist it because he's not about human culture um, and not about fitting in by any means and and Sabanor, I would have thought, would just come in his robes that he's wearing in Excalibur, and he's kind of got this again I don't know. if This is an old, based on old, older Egyptian, yeah. yeah. But that sounds more either culturally to him, culturally appropriate to him as an Egyptian, or culturally appropriate as a, as a mutant. Yeah. Because all this talk yeah. in, in this issue about mutant culture, mutant art, and it's weird to see them putting on the, the, the threads, the wares of the, the oppressors of the humans. I, it's okay to be respectful, but not not even every member of this group wears um western style clothes the the um the business uh member I don't know what um where, where in what capacity from India uh Bani Galat is if she if she's just a very important business person if she's a, a millionaire, but she's wearing more Indian cultural clothes and the member from Wakanda, the Wakandan attache is wearing what appears to be Wakandan clothes so. I just thought that was weird that if it's an international summit, that why are they dressed like a bunch of people from New York? That's a good point. I just think it undermines the message of what they're trying to do. And, and Magneto says so much as like, no, here's what we're going to do. You've used your weapons of colonization in the past. We're going to use your system of neocolonization. We're going to use business against you. We're going to make more money than you. We're going to buy everything that you ever want, like you ever thought was powerful. We're going to buy everybody out. We're going to control everything economically. We're not going to go to war with you physically. We're going to do it in the business world. And So we're going to show you that mutants are supreme, that we're superior. That's how we're going to take over. We're not going to kill you. Um, and, and they get to that conversation about culture and superiority of humans, versus humans in that way. So I just feel like it undermines everything to have those not – what do they say? The clothes make the man. The, the clothes should be making a statement about what these men want for the world.
0: Now it's How interesting. About it? I, I mean, yeah. do you think that this issue was enough meat? I mean, you get again. I mean, there's there's a lot of talking, but does it really end up going anywhere? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Literally showing the picture of Magneto eating meat. Um, there's but, a like,
2: whole page of meat.
0: Yes, yeah. but like, th- does it really so. go anywhere? Like, it's it's very entertaining, and I did like the issue, and again, I, I like the action that was kind of going on behind the scenes, um, and I really liked how uh, Gorgon was written. Um, I thought he was badass and awesome, and like everything with Gorgon was very cool. It just uh, as an it, it was almost like it was a uh, all calorie no substance. Like it was just it was really good and really interesting, and I liked it. But what did it really say? What did it really? progress forwards besides just kind of again more of Xavier kind of saying you can't kill us you can't kill us in the traditional way I can't be killed you tried you failed do we need a full issue to do that again I liked it I should say I liked it but did we need a full issue to do that
1: it's more world building it expands upon stuff you didn't really touch on in Hotspots right so here's here's more stuff here's the, the political angle right because to cover that base you know, here's a quick. Like, th- this this is very fitting of a one shot issue, right? This was kind of a, this. This made a lot of sense, actually. This this made more sense to me as like maybe an issue two or three before you start. You know, doing a really early Summoner intro or the Golden Girls, like this 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 I think built upon what he established earlier. And this is just something he'd have time for in Hoxpox. Here's something that you know changes in new thing. Maybe he had to wait a bit because of the whole like getting shot in the head in X Force there and, and getting it back in a proper body, but. Um, you know, yes, it was a lot of very Bendis eating around the dinner table,
0: a lot of heads. But well, no, it was it was it, see, it was still better, much better than any Bendis eating around a table because that was just more like people talking, like you and I talking. Even though we should be talking, like you know, listening to you know these really interesting people who are you know these these leaders. You want them to be talking more interesting and not having Doctor Strange talking about his girl problems because it doesn't feel right um, when you when you read that. Whereas this felt like appropriate. It was good. It wasn't boring it wasn't it didn't feel like he was just trying to ape how regular people speak this wasn't how regular people speak this is how you know these people speak and it felt like very appropriate for that
2: yeah these are very powerful people talking about very important things and i feel like this is a good xavier to some extent apocalypse and magneto issue you get a lot of magneto's philosophy you get a lot of the world the way magneto sees it he's also a reformed if you want to call it that terrorist like that's a whole package that you really can't re get back in the box as it were or a whole kind of um, uh, there's, there's a dangling matzo ball hanging out there right as Jerry Seinfeld would say so um, how do you deal with that and he kind of comes to this world summit and they just address him as Magneto or Eric Lenkcher and they're not cowering from him as a terrorist and he's like I'm not going to use the violence so he's kind of taking on Xavier's demeanor. here a nonviolent route and his violence is out outsmarting them it's outmaneuvering them economically and he's pulling that the dave chappelle trick where he's like i'm gonna tell you what i'm gonna do and i'm gonna warn you ahead of time and then i'm gonna do it and you're not gonna see it coming like that's a lot of bravado that's a lot of hubris that's that's good though for magneto that's the kind of thing that you should get from it mm-hmm. um, you know, and Chappelle does that he's like I'm going to tell you the punchline and then I'm going to tell you the joke and then I'm going to do the punchline again and you're going to laugh and you're going to forget that I did that and he does it and then everyone laughs That's what I mean think uh, so you have Xavier who doesn't get as much speaking time but towards the end he pretty much says I still love you like there's that there's that weird thing where Xavier is almost too much he's 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 too much of the non-aggressor the peace lover the one who believes in humanity but he ends with you tried to kill me you think that I've ended my dream of mutants and humans coexisting peacefully? Um, do you think I don't love you? Because I do. I do, and I want you to always remember that. And so he says, there's a part of me that will never stop believing in you. But he's this transcendent person now who's almost gone beyond the mortal. Like the, the same Xavier who did horrible things and melted people's brains and, you know, thought about, you know, and changed people's minds willy-nilly and became Onslaught and hit on his student. Is now even the way Lionel talks? He's almost like looks like he's missing his his humanity. He just kind of seems like a pod person, and I wonder how on, on purpose that is. Like he he stands around in a helmet all the time, not showing his face. There's something off about him, and and yet it, when it comes to the climax of this issue, he's just like I love you, and I'll always believe in you. Please don't try to attack us again, or it won't be it won't go as well for you next time. So there's this. Starling, almost beast behind this demeanor of smiles and I love you, and that's actually more unsettling to me than mm-hmm. Unsaboner, than Magneto at the dinner table talking about how we're going to supplant you, more than the Gorgon cutting people to pieces upstairs. That's the most unnerving thing. And and even when Minel does this zoom in just before Xavier, puts, put it down. that zoom in, that's very unnerving. It's I don't know if you felt that way, but I just feel like. I, I want to learn more about what's going on with Xavier. So I
0: think it, it, it did a lot. It be, I mean, it would be crazy, and I'm sure, like the apps, 100. This is not it. It would be crazy if it really was the Maker and the Maker's just, you know, using his his elastic powers to look like that on purpose, and like he can, you know, shift around the the shape of his brain to to be like Xavier so that he can kind of give himself telepathy. Like it's not, but it'd be crazy if it was just like it really was the Maker.
1: What this whole time. <laughs>
2: Sure, why not? And when when Paul's writing for Marvel and he's the new head of X Men, I'm sure that's the first order of business, <laughs> just to make it as screwy as possible, right? No, I'm, I'm obviously joking. Paul likes a good story. He doesn't like a dumb story. <laughs> <laughs> no I don't. Um, But what I would say, you know, the sliding timescale. Here's one thing for Cola could do. Obviously, it, when you get resurrected, you get sent back to like an ideal. And, and they keep figure out how to age Magneto, and mm. they're like, "Well, we're gonna, you know, this and that." so all they have to do is let a Magneto die and they can bring him back in thirty another whatever forty years to keep this Holocaust survivor alive or take another reboot. Because it's very important that he's tethered to that event, to the Holocaust. He's a survivor. Like that's part of what makes him Magneto. And it's twenty twenty one, right? Like how far can you go before it's not feasible? So by keep by continually resetting his life, um, it allows us to do that, so why not?
0: We should uh, move on to issue five before we kind of run out of time.
2: Yeah, because, I mean, really, I want to get to six. I would even yeah. say five. I, I, would say, <laughs> I,
0: think. Yeah, I would say five, I don't really care much about the bulb. However, I like what it... So I think a bunch of the issue I thought was kind of used up in spaces that I didn't really care for, and they kind of, you know, try to be cool in terms of the art and what characters are seeing and the interface with the vault. I didn't care much for that. But I did care for, again, this is the first maybe real... Cyclops is a human being that we've gotten through the Hickman kind of era where, you know, the the idea of like, what have I done? And him kind of maybe questioning himself and his choices, which, again, he's been drinking the Kool-Aid and he's been very kind of on on step with what they've been doing. And this is the first chance to him kind of break through that humanity. So I really liked seeing that of Cyclops, Um, you know, him kind of now that they're in a different world. he, He still does feel responsibility and feels bad about what occurs what the hell was yeah, I thinking the,
2: yeah that final page so you start off with this volume or these first few issues of uh, Xavier talking to Cyclops with his eyes closed and Cyclops has this rebirth right this rebirth moment where he gets the quartz crystal on his eyes and he's like open them you can see open his eyes who knows how long he said to have his eyes closed um, maybe even years in that orphanage. And the first thing he sees in his new eyes, his new life, it's his mentor, it's his father figure, Xavier. And it's like, all oh, the things that you'll see. And later in that same issue, Polaris is like, do you really believe this? Kind of this, you believe in something and it came true. And the implication to be there is that the thing he believed in was That even though they had all these breakages and fissures and he killed his mentor and all that stuff, and the, his, that dream got twisted and they had to go into survival for Utopia, that in the end, of a place where you be and happy, and it was saviors for people. And this page, yeah, kind of ends this tra- this arc for the most part with, yeah, I was, I was, I was wrong. Like my dad, my mentor, still is 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 something's wrong. There's still something wrong. This is not a utopia. There's something off because, yeah, like I, it's very unsettling when you have this conversation with and Darwin and Laura Kinney, and they're like. Uh, yeah, you could be in there for like a thousand years and Sync is going to copy Darwin and Darwin keep him alive and Laura, you could probably live that long. Like, that's a messed up mission. That's a horrifying mission to be locked in a hellscape for maybe a, a, hundred, a few hundred years or a thousand years, or even a day. Being locked in that, that space could be horrifying for a day. It's a horror show. And they're like, yep, we're going to send you there and it could be a thousand years. But we're okay with that because we could just resurrect you. That's messed up. That is upsetting, and I am glad that they addressed that. And the uh, Xavier and, and Cyclops hopefully have some kind of a fissure built building again here, because one of them has to realize that this is wrong. And Kurt's not around to say it. Are they? I, I like to have like, Silva's art back
1: in this issue as well. It's gorgeous, and these these costumes are cool. Like where are these where are these designs for everyone that uh, the three that Darwin and uh, Sink and Laura are wearing. They look fantastic these new X
0: ones. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So what are the rules? Do they have to wait until they come back and have died to then resurrect them? Or... Because otherwise yeah. they could end up with like duplicates and that's against the rules.
1: Yeah. The X factor establishes a lot of that stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah that's that's yeah. right. It does. Okay. I, am, and I'm surprised... Say, like, I guess Laura's the only one I was like... I mean, she pr- pr- could just die. I mean, at like 100 years, like she could very easily die. Uh, the other ones, obviously not because of their abilities. Um made me wonder, like, is Gabby okay with this? You know, like, you know, the, the little clone, like, is she around?
1: And they haven't she come back ask. to this yet, right?
0: Not yet. I think they're about to. Okay.
1: Yeah, and it's
2: like, and we need a Wolverine. It's like, well, you have a Wolverine. And, like, and I like how she reasserts that she is Wolverine. It's like, uh, actually, people like Wolverine. Actually, I'm Wolverine. And it's like, we you know, like I love, I love time he interacts with her, and that she's the Wolverine. But it is messed up that they're like, uh, you know, who they should send for this mission? Wolverine says, "Laura." And he's like, "Have you been paying attention, kid? They are." And I'd go, but I've got something else I have to do. So, they w- Logan would have gone. He would have gone on this insane mission to live a thousand years in a hellscape. But he's got some other kind of trash to do. But so he's sent his own sister, whatever their relationship is. Um, I would like to have more conversation about that. I agree. I mean, there are some pretty pages or panels of them seeing weird things inside of the vaults, but I'd much more prefer to see more conversation between Xavier and Cyclops or between Laura and Logan.
1: Anything. Yeah. Right? But you dropped this big idea, a big concept issue out of nowhere, and now we're almost. Uh, it was issue 5, and now we're issue like 17 And maybe now you're just kind of maybe
0: Oh crap, I forgot about a little nugget I left in the vault I better go crack that open now Well, I, you know what, But I think he, he like it was deliberately set up that way So I, it's one of those things where it does not bug me Because it was kind of baked into the whole idea Like, they're going to go in there They thought they would come out sooner than later And it's been a while, and then it keeps going So I'm okay with that kind of, you know, waiting for that shoe to drop Because that, that feels very X-Men you know, even like when back during the Messiah Complex, like you had, you know, ex- uh, you know uh, them giving hope over to Cable, and the idea, and then they had that issue. I think it was of Cable, like six or seven, months later, where it was basically Cyclops being like, "What went wrong? They're, they're not here." Like, you know, he entrusted, you know, his son with with this baby, the Messiah of the human race of the mutant race, and then thinking again, it's time travel that they would just show up, and they ha- they're not there yet, and they keep waiting. And I like that there was that kind of that they would come back to this idea of what has their faith been rewarded and it hadn't been yet. And what does that do to the people who were waiting? So I I don't mind in this instance that they left that as a ongoing plot thread because it feels designed um, and, and, and more understandable. Whereas other stuff gets dropped in and forgotten all the time. But I thought this one of all of the threads was the, the one I'm okay with waiting for a year.
2: I'm okay with them never coming back to this. I'm okay with them going like crimson dawning this thing and saying, "There's a crimson dawn." You're like, okay, and then it just never. Like, I actually wanted more of a resolution on the crimson dawn, to go in. but this, I don't. Again, this is one of the Morrison things that was kind of funny and goofy, and he's like, Phantom X is this character I'm making who's kind of a joke because he's good at everything, and uh, except his accent, because he can't make his accent. Something everything else, he's just too good to be true. He's, he's that kind of a, a riff on things and it was a zany little sci-fi story and then with my Carey picking up on it and I think Milligan also a little bit too that whole era um, I don't care so I would be happy for the to go on because it's, it's like every other idea is a I'm more interested in horticulture than I am about adults.
0: okay well let's, let's talk about issue six then because this one felt like the the one we were waiting for the the one that actually had a direct connection with everything we just read and felt much more impactful and kind of building again out that world and the simmering tensions below
1: this is the gold nugget right every human trade's got a nugget
0: (laughs) it does and this was it
1: this is a multiple this is a full gold bar this is uh (laughs) fabulous no this issue like I love the, the the very unique mystique perspective, showcasing her direct involvement with the uh, attack on the facility in space. Her very point of view, seeing you know how she um, you know walks through on her mission, how she got sucked out into space, how she was resurrected, how she went back, retraced her steps, and like it, uh, the whole destiny uh, angle circled back into it. Like what a what a fantastic issue! Uh, like. Wanted more of this to build off of what he had established, right? Rather than the. This is exactly the book I was looking for. So I was very happy with it.
2: It's such a love story, too. Like, uh, we we finally get, because, you know, this was Chris Claremont, as far as I understand it, Chris Claremont's goal was to make Destiny and Raven a married couple anyway, back in, you know, the 80s, but he wasn't allowed to because of editorial interference. And it's such a love story. Like, seeing that perspective that Paul's talking about, the Raven out in the space, and then these tears not just the tears of, of thinking about destiny and she's dying she went on this mission only for her and then when she comes back on the following page, she's resurrected you see Xavier has gone to collect the body of his son, of Cyclops, mm-hmm. and he's gone to his aid, and Raven just kind of pops out of her egg alone there's no one to go to her falls out of that hatched egg Naked and alone, and then you have that that creepy reflection of her face in Xavier's helmet. So you get this, you know, crazy story of the manipulation of Xavier and Magneto manipulating Raven Darkholm, who is the manipulator. She's the one who's the canny, savvy. You know, she out she outpaces men all the time. She manipulates them all the time. So it makes you wonder, even makes me wonder, all the more so, what else she knows, what else she's planning. And at a certain point, she can't seem to quite get the better of them. She's doing what they want her to do. She's just playing nice until she gets what she wants, and they won't. So she screams at them. And she's learned she can't trust them. So now she's
1: going to have to do something else. And then you get to learn what she knows, what she's known the whole time, and what
2: she's been sitting on. And it's such a bomb. It's like, what's worse, Nimrod is still going to be made regardless of the mother mold. It just is not the humans have made Found a way to to make a difference anyway what's worth that or what raven's about to do
1: that's super good storytelling and does do we believe mystique knows about moira
0: i don't know i, don't, I guess no i don't i i mean everything that moira had done was to kind of try and do it in such a way that that destiny couldn't see it or that you know what i mean like Destiny's such a threat and precogs are a threat. And most. Right. Pre- it's funny because, again, if you want to remember certain aspects of X history, I mean, all, all, most of the precogs were taken out originally um, right before a Messiah complex, right? Like that was the, the, the kind of the big deal that was happening at the time was that because something big was about to happen, they were all being taken off the board. Um, and they like going back to Destiny time and time again, how much she knew. That woman knew a lot. Like, she wrote so many diaries, and, like, she knew everything. Um, so it interesting. Did
1: Maxman she- she- ever find any of those? I don't think they did. They found one, didn't they?
0: Yeah, they, had did a, one. They, they definitely found a bunch. But I, I love that, you know, Destiny's this great boogeyman, because she's dead. And that you can kind of always kind of use elements of... Her being able to see the future, and now they're using it in such a fascinating new way to give more depth to Mystique. Because when Mystique, if Mystique betrays them, we get it. We 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 buy into why Mystique would do it, and it's not self. I mean, it's it's not selfish really. It's well, I mean, I guess this is selfish wanting her wife back. But I mean, anybody would want that, and anybody would understand that. And so it's interesting that we're we're having her set up kind of to work against our quote-unquote heroes, but our heroes are doing some despicable things and stringing her along, thinking that she'll get to have the love of her life back, and knowing that they have no plans to do that. So it's interesting that our heroes are the villains, and the villain is the hero, and how do you feel about Mystique in that light, and I just want to see what happens next. But who knows when that'll be, but eventually... (laughs)
2: Yeah, I, I love how the art here picks up on the haunting nature of Destiny's mask like when she's watching Moira die burnt alive by Pyro and you see the flames flicker off of that mask that, that almost featureless mask and again when Raven's sitting on the I guess on a hillside or mountainside looking at the sunset with her, with Destiny and there's just that expressionless void of a face telling her you know, troubling truths unsettling um, Super morsels, and and it leads to the idea that the one person who's probably going to be behind the the fall of Krakoa is is Raven, and and it's already there in the sixth issue, or six issues, six months after the universe is established. Here's how it's probably going to end. Very good.
0: I guess here's the question, though: Do you think do you think the Mystique story is part of the the end game for, for Hickman, and we have to wait till he's done? and that she will burn it to the ground, and the, that's when we get the resolution, because that's the only thing that I think that could suck, again, about kind of playing the long game, is that you have to wait till it's over and to get something like that finally to kind of come in. And that I wonder how set in his design he is about the... It's kind of like the, the How I Met Your Mother syndrome, where, you know, they had an idea, they had a plan, and so they kept to the plan, even though the show kind of morphed away from that plan. And so when it happened, everyone's kind of like... But you made me care about this other character. I don't want this anymore. I don't, I don't want you to do your original plan. The story grew out, changed in such a way that that plan doesn't fit anymore with what you've made this show about. So I'm wondering you know, how tied into this, this plan or where the Mystique story is going to eventually culminate and hoping that we'll still get a, a satisfying resolution to that as things evolve.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Will she burn it down? Will she find it? Will she have her own kind of master plan to slowly do things? Will she free Sabretooth to be a part of her master scheme? How will she discover Moira? I think she will. I think for sure she'll discover Moira at some point, right? There'll be a, an issue or a tidbit where she will stumble upon the little house in the center of Krakoa, or a conversation, or something that will lead her to it, and there'll be little breadcrumbs and, and nuggets that will lead to it, and then she'll have to. And manipulate her way um, to to do something, but I think there'll be a, a monster chain of events to do that. But uh, yeah, you're you're totally right. This may be the early signs of of the end game. Because um, uh, here's your if this whole thing doesn't last as long as it it, it, sh- it can or it should. At least you you already have your your out.
2: Hmm.
1: You know, if they have to change anything or turn on, on a dime, they can go back to this. And and roll with it, right? If it evolves to something else, then you can maybe pay it off differently, and then maybe choose a different path to go down. But at least this gives you like your your ace in the hole.
2: Mm. And and as prognosti- as prognostications go, uh, they always have enough room for you to wonder: Is this something that that destiny told that Irene told Raven? because she's going to set things in motion that will lead to another outcome than this. She, she tells her wife, I need you to, you're going to have to burn it down. But does she know that by trying to burn it down, she's going to make it stronger? Like there's, there's lots of ways you can play around with it because any kind of seer, you know, Oracle style information always has that, that black box aspect to it too. Right. That until you actually see it, you don't actually know what it is. So, um, it, it, we could think of this as the way that Krakoa goes down, or this could end up being the way that Raven helps to be its salvation. Like they
1: can do whatever they want with it, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. she has to bring something else. Maybe, maybe it's not Krakoa. Just burn down. Maybe something else. Maybe Akaro. Maybe something otherworld. Maybe something else that she has to save in order right. to. Uh, maybe it's maybe it's not. You know, ruin everything. Maybe it's, it's do something to save something.
2: Yeah, and in that way, we can all agree it'll be much better than How I Met Your Mother.
0: Got him. Now, Moira was originally, before COVID happened and changed publishing schedules, was supposed to get her own comic. Um, So it has been delayed, obviously, and we haven't seen it yet. So Moira eventually will have a comic coming out. So um, I think it's supposed to kind of tell us a little bit more. Uh, I found uh, some information that Hickman had answered questions back in, what, late 2019 about Moira and also about some of the Resurrections. Um, And the Moira one was that they were, the book was going to be kind of a, a dancing between the raindrops X continuity story, which I would love. Um, so hopefully we get that at some point. It's also supposed to have more about the sixth life uh, which they took out of, of Powers of Ten because they wanted to not kind of tread on the story that's supposed to be in that ongoing book.
2: So is Higman the writer of the Moira?
0: No, it's okay. someone else. Do we know who? We do. Uh, I don't know if it ever got announced. I, I know that. I mean, obviously they know who it is, but I don't know if it actually got announced to readers or not.
2: Well, you know, I'm I'm in for penny and for pound. I'll buy it. So whatever.
0: <laughs> Can't help yourself, eh?
2: No, I uh, I I want to, the the fact that whenever something new comes to my house, whenever whatever you know it gets delivered, I am super excited to read. That's all you could ever want from reading comics, right? Like, yep. I can't wait to read it. So, and so far, even the stuff that has been kind of meh, like Excalibur, we'll get to it. But uh, I really, really enjoyed the beginning of it. And then all the issues in the remaining first volume and second volume have felt kind of a slog by comparison. Over, it's not a bad comic. I've read way worse comics. But uh, it, it doesn't measure up to, as you guys have mentioned, my, my enjoyment of Marauders or of X, uh, X-Force or even X-Factor so it doesn't matter to me if when Fallen Angels arrives I hate it I have read it and I have seen a piece of this Krakow universe and I love it from that
0: mm-hmm. uh, for Nate um, so from this this older interview from Hickman that I thought you would at least find this interesting he said uh, we've already shown a couple of interesting tweaks to resurrections like Monet being able to assume a penance form and Warren being able to be both regular angel and archangel so there seems to be some ability to tweak the the finished version of a resurrected mutant is that also true about their age or about other aspects of their physical condition what about their gender what about if they want to be backed up from an earlier version one that hasn't suffered a particular trauma or had their heart broken so he's definitely been thinking about all those ideas
2: yeah, that's a, that'd be like a perfect for a trans character. If they had a trans character in the universe, I guess the closest they have to it is maybe Mystique. Mm. It's like, i been born in the wrong body, then they could have another shot at it and be born beyond the nipples. That would be a really cool thing to pursue. But they really haven't delved enough into a lot of the... Uh, the, the great diversity that human beings have. Uh, a lot of the X-Men, as we pointed out, are usually pretty heteronormative pretty uh, pretty attractive people and white and so we're, we're slowly getting to more stories of characters that aren't just white characters like Monet is a very compelling character I'm glad we're seeing a little bit more of her I'd like to see way more of her mm-hmm.
1: um,
2: but the fact that like the whole first volume of X-Men is mostly focused on the Summers family that's cool I am interested in the Summers family but I really would like to see more about the, uh, the the uh, the, uh, the periphery characters on the periphery and that's one of the reasons why I like Hellions so much because Hellions is like yeah it has a summer brother but now we get the real cut on the real Psylocke which is cool and you get to hear and see about characters that are not your typical good mutants they don't fit in the box at all and how are you going to deal with these characters that can't function as a team that's that's that, Hellions is actually one of the books I'm most excited about not just because of Zeb Wells who's an author but Mm-hmm. Because of what it promises, it doesn't show you the, the so-called pretty pretties, right? It's more of a Morlock yeah. view.
0: Um, Paul, for you, from this uh, this article that had some of the things that Hickman had been saying, uh, with regards to Jean Grey wearing the costume that she wears, uh, he says, I was pretty sure everyone would figure this out as soon as House of X number one hit the stands, and while I'm not going to spoil the story for you, I will, go, will say go back and look at the most famous time she put this costume back on. That should help so he's
2: Did she put it back on or she first had it on he
0: said back on which would be
2: because first had it on is like Dark Phoenix that's the big storyline with that
0: one that's the, well, that's the back on I think he's referencing right like he, she put it back on for the, for the Dark Phoenix story when she died on the moon so I mean if that's what he's alluding to and this is from a year and a half ago we had an interruption with COVID so who knows where he is on maybe eventually getting to that
2: yeah, but you know what else she wore that you could have her wear that also alludes to the Dark Phoenix saga? The regular Phoenix costume that's also gold and, and it's a little too. Isn't nicer. it
0: a little too obvious?
2: Yeah. The fact that Jean comes back and that there's somehow association with the Phoenix or Dark Phoenix, is really, I mean, is, is that something that that we didn't think
1: almost immediately as soon as she came back? Like, oh, okay, I guess she'll be Phoenix some, at some point. Let's an out of very out of place costume. They could have given her anything else, even something that's not traditionally her costume, just to make her more uniform with with the group. Yeah, or or this costume, but an updated version of it.
0: Mm.
1: Right. It
2: it alludes to this time period, but it's not identical to something that. I mean, even these gloves, even these weird pirate gloves she's got on with her dress and her mask. I'm like, whatever. I appreciate retro stuff. I, I just I, I don't think anyone else is doing that.
1: What else? Even even Other like re- if, if is- people around her were also wearing it. It's fine when it's all, but like he's in something current. He's in something that's new. He, she's in something that's modern. Like I don't know. I like consistency. So that's I, my I,
0: OCD. I do think that is something that just is inherently an issue with the X Men in general. Is that yeah? You have like sometimes you have these group shots, and you're like, well that that costume's from that era and that costume's from that era and seeing them all together doesn't make any sense it just doesn't feel like it fits but I don't know how you fix that because some characters just have really iconic looks and you don't necessarily want to lose that look so it, it's difficult
2: but that's why the Wolverine one is so good the Wolverine costume is perfect it's, it's not his tan costume but you look at it and you're like that's his tan costume but it's not nope. Right. So it's an it's a update of it. It's a very clever one, and it would be nice to see more of that. Um, I know I know um, Alex is pretty much in his original costume again, it looks like. like at least there's somebody else who has a retro costume. But yeah, I, I like the idea of more people having a, an update. And of course, Emma's great because she, it's like every issue she's in, she has a, almost a different outfit. All the artists are doing different things, especially over on Marauders. Every issue, sometimes twice or three times of an issue, she has outfit changes, which is so perfect Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't even need to have the X an ex costume at all. She's wearing white. So well, you
1: be her designer in the Marauders book, right? Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, um, and then you and then you have someone like
2: Kitty who's wearing something that she's never worn before, but it's perfect. It's Hellfire Club. It's pirate. It's red. Um, it's wonderful. And I even thought that Bishop wasn't going to even change his costume. I thought he was going to keep the red scarf. And be like, this is enough red. For me. I mean, even he, he makes enough change that you're like, yeah, this is the Cohen era. Kate Pride, this is the Krakoa era bishop. Like, I, I feel like we should be able to see. Oh, that was the costume that Wolverine wore in the Krakoa era. Um, and it would be nice if we had a Jean one for that too. Like, oh, that's the Krakoa Jean. Rather than when we see this costume again, it's 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 not. But again, I'm not, I don't want to seem like I'm complaining. Uh, overall I still really enjoyed I mean if we're going to do that thing that we do we talk about our overalls Are we? Do, what are we doing that?
0: Well we're about to do that uh, Paul I have a question for you you mentioned uh, the d- sure. the designer that, that Emma has do you like the return of Jumbo Carnation?
1: <laughs> I didn't use this before the, his int- uh, introduction so sure I mean,
0: I mean if you look at him of course he's a Grant Morrison c- creation sure <laughs> he was he was uh, killed off in in uh, in New X Men, back when Morrison was writing it, and it was part of his death, which inspired uh, Quentin Choir to create the Omega Gang and try to have the riot at Xavier's. Way back when. Yeah, I erased
2: a lot of Grant Morrison stuff in my brain, so. I fun. know you did. Oh, but... yeah, you're, yeah, you're not. A, you don't like I, any of it? I got MIB'd. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I got to go back and reread it again. I know there are things I don't like about that run, but there are things I do. I, mean, I especially like E for Extinction. I think that's very strong, whatever it is. They still, like like be issues or something short, but yeah, um, I, or, I love the, the Wild Sentinels. and I get a little bit of a taste of that, too, here in Issue 5, where they're going into, but, I don't know what country it is. Yeah, in South America. They mentioned it, maybe. Uh, but, yeah, this kind of idea of this... Sensitive with a very giant head that seems like it's just kind of resting there. I don't know if it's a guardian of the vault per se or if it's become one over time. It reminded me of those Sensitive vaults.
0: Oh, for sure. Cool. I'm pretty sure that was a very, you know, deliberate uh, feeling. And like, because, yeah, it did it did make me look at it and go, is this the one or is this like a different one? But, like, yeah, no, it's a very, yeah. it's a great look. It looks so cool. Again, the art on that issue was, you know, uh, a step above. You know, again with the colors and everything, like Arby Silver really kicked ass there.
2: Where does Xavier sleep? When or where? Where where do Magneto and Xavier sleep? Does well, anyone know?
0: He's got the House of M like Magneto has the whole House of M area on Krakoa. Oh yeah,
2: he does have like a an area. And then there's also Island M, but that's not he's not it's just that's what Asteroid M used to be, so he just he doesn't hang out there. No I guess.
0: I think so. I kind yeah, of wish he did. I I don't know where cool. you'd find the right map, but yeah, that that map is somewhere.
2: You know, what'd be cool is if we could find a cohabitation living quarters for Xavier and Magneto, and it's called the Onslaught.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I will say that the last hour and a half, hour and forty five minutes was worth it just for that. <laughs>
2: That'd be a thing that would make a lot of people groan. But, like, but the... They're together as one. No, that's perfect.
0: Um, b- before we get to... <laughs> before we get to the ratings, um... <laughs> um... In, this is something that you know, Paul just wants to see, like
2: Thor come down and say, "I say thee nay, Xavier shall be free." Like, no, I don't have to be free. It's okay, and then smash through it. it. Um,
0: this is something more for Nate because Nate would have more access to this. Um, in the uh, trade paperback, at the very back, we get a lot of the variant covers. Um, I love yeah. the uh, the X Men number one variant by Russell Datterman. Uh He's been doing a lot of these where he has one character and all the different kind of versions of that character. Um, so he does Jean Grey And it's just gorgeous um, So I love seeing all her different costumes And all her different looks And uh, Nate's showing that to Paul Who doesn't have that in front of him uh, I love that And then the page after that There's the the X-Men number one party variant Which is I can't believe they, they okayed this um, With uh, I guess Wolverine, Cyclops And uh, Jean and the birthday cake It's just like what? I'm, sur- I'm surprised oh, that <laughs> A lot of variant covers that they made, obviously, but that one, those two, I had to make special mention of.
2: Uh, Yeah, um... Daughterman on Twitter, right? We were looking at that other cover that he does with Rogue. With Rogue, yeah. He shows how he's been drawing her since whatever, since he was 10 or something like that, and he put up one of the older pictures of her that he drew of her, like, drawing her for years. Uh, Makes it seem like he's an X-Men fan for life and, and has always wanted to draw them and it, it's great that he drew, drew two issues at least so far that I know of, of Giant Size X-Men. Has Giant Size X-Men continued after that first volume?
0: I don't believe so but I could be wrong.
2: It would be great to see him as a regular. I would love for him to get his own book. If he has a passion for this and he's making them look these covers look as brilliant as he does, it would be great to see him more
0: it is nice to see... It. Well, it's just obviously because you can tell like, it's passion. It's something that he really loves and cares about, so it's cool to kind of see those those types of things come out when you know that an artist is really kind of channeling everything they've got to make it work.
2: Yeah, I, th- I would like a print. That world going is so good. I think I want a print of that. I would love it when we were eventually able to go to cons. It'd be great to, to see him, meet him, and get a print of that because I, I really like that couple of them.
0: Yeah, I, it's interesting looking at the two of them like, the, uh, the Rogue one and then the uh, the Jean Grey one. Like, yeah, there's so, so many... It's, it, it boggles my mind just how many iconic looks both characters have. Like, I think, you know, I, I think we usually kind of go back to a certain preset in our head where, like, Rogue, we usually think of the X-Men animated series, same thing with Jean. But then when you look at those covers of them, you're like, oh, yeah, but there's the AOA, there's the extreme X-Men Rogue, there's, you know, the Rogue with the short hair, there's for, you know, with with Jean, of course, there's Age of Apocalypse Jean. Who gets a lot? Like she's much smaller and less prominent than on the Rogue One. On the Rogue One, like Um, right up, right up top, you have uh, the uh, AOA Rogue. Is this Revelations
2: one I'm showing you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, This Revelations one, I really this was. I would love it if she wore this costume. And if um, Hickman doesn't want her to wear red, then just make a version of this with green and gold. I Mm -hmm. really
1: like the. uh, Yep, I'm with you. I agree, hundred percent.
0: All right, let's uh, let's rate this sucker. How would you how would you rate this particular volume of X Men X Men one to six of the Hickman era?
2: The volume. I'm sorry if I've been getting loud.
1: At last, loud. I just when I get closer to the screen to show a picture, I might be oppressive loud. I apologize. That's you okay. No, sometimes, you're, I think when you show the the comic book, it covers your mic, so you actually lose your audio a bit. Yeah. Okay. So maybe I'm not oppressive loud.
2: Anyway, um, so who's rating what first?
0: Uh, Nate, you can take us off.
2: Uh, I think I gave House of X an X out of X, and I think I gave Powers a 6 out of 10. Um, this, I, I, I don't know, an 8? I, maybe an 8.5? I really, I, overall, I think I really enjoyed this. Again, Hickman's not my favorite x riper, but there's a lot of really strong work here. Uh, the the Vault stuff I don't care so much about, but it's not bad. So I think if, uh, if I had a, an issue that was different than the Vault one, Maybe it would be a nine nine point five, but uh, this is really
0: good. I really enjoyed it. It's interesting because I find the art in the Vault One so much superior, but the story oh, yeah. is a little like little light. Um, but again, it has a good character moment. But again, it, but the art is so good, and I, I kind of overlook some of the shortcomings in the story because the art is just so yes. pretty to look at.
2: The art and the colors are. I was. I just wanted to mention this. Um, I don't know what page it is. It's when Storm is going nuts and she's the, the central head. The colors, the colors are, are so good. It reminds me of some really well done colors in some of the Overpower card game, trading card game. Maybe from the IQ uh, hmm. release. Just the, the beautiful blending of the intense whites and the, the blues. But yeah, I agree. The art there is very really strong. Whereas the story in issue six is ten out of ten. That's X out of X. That's incredible. The right. art is good. Right. It's fine. It's good. Um, it's not quite as good, in my opinion, as the story. So, yeah, I would say if it was just issue six, it would be perfect. It's like a perfect comic, um, and everything else is enjoyable. So that's why I kind of settle around it, maybe an 8.5. Maybe even Maybe issue six brings it up to a nine maybe.
1: How about that?
0: <laughs> All right, Paul?
1: It's going to sound low, but I'm only going to give it a six out of ten. <laughs> it really only – enjoyed like maybe two maybe three of the six issues right um again and that's that's based on first read looking back on it a lot of stuff makes more sense but i'm gonna base some more on my first kind of go-throughs like a lot of this stuff's like oh i like i'm still trying to you know again i'm a simpleton right i'm trying to wrap my head around all these big ideas all these new things that are going on um crazy new concepts you know, I felt like I was really bounced around for a bit. I finally got issue six, where it really Tied some crap together and brought me back to okay, why I got hooked in the first place. Um, so it's not bad from any sense. And looking back, there's some uh, after some reflection, there's some good stuff to be had there, um, and some better world building. And I can appreciate the long game is trying to go for. Um, but overall, you know, I really only enjoyed and got sucked in for one issue, and, and enjoyed maybe another one and a half.
0: Okay. I think I'm kind of sandwiched between you guys. I think more like a seven, maybe seven and a half for me. Um, again, I, I like the art, but I, I, I thought that the colors could have been sharper, and I think it would have made the whole package feel more vibrant if they had, had Garcia on the entire time. I think that was, for me, the missing component. Like, I didn't realize how much I missed him until I got him back briefly. And I was like, oh, my God, where has this been? Um, and again, the stories, I'm kind of like, the, like you, Paul, where I did feel a little bit bounced around. It didn't really feel as coherent at the beginning. Issue six was, again, the big standout. Um, issue four, a little you know, light on maybe plot progression, but a lot of really good political intrigue. But is it empty? Um, so I, again, I think at seven, seven and a half, I'm not really sure exactly where I kind of land. So kind of right in between both of you guys.
2: Um, I, I didn't remember before. Actually, I misspoke about where this vault is. It's in Ecuador. Um, and Serafina is the vault child. Mm. Does, does this improve your scores at all in issue one where you see Serafina teleport out in a time bubble and then it takes out some of the four like in the Terminator series? Does that make it maybe a point five each for each of you now?
0: That alone...
2: I just thought that was really cool. It is. That's cool, awesome. Man. I love the shoe line. I think it's a dis- definite nod to Terminator. I think that's exactly oh, what it is. 100%. Yeah. It's really cool. So the little cool. Those little details. I think going back and looking at it a second time, yeah, I think there's a lot of value. I think there's a lot of things packed in here that, yeah, reading it again, I'm glad to hear that you liked it better. And in my first read through, reading it all in one go, I, I, I think I enjoyed it more than if I were to read it monthly. So this is kind of an argument, fellas, for me. To stick with trades rather than going monthly, even though I like the immediate gratification, I gotta say, it doesn't seem like this storyline is designed for just one at a time. Maybe
0: I do. Th- yeah, I do think collected edition f- is working better. Um, I, I, yeah, just something about it. I again, some of the d- issues, it's different. I think I feel like Marauders work better as a monthly. Sorry, not better than a like reading it all together, but I think it still worked as a monthly read. I didn't feel like. I wasn't getting enough. I felt like I was just getting enough of the story. I was interested and wanted to see what was going to happen next. So it definitely kept me intrigued. Um, X-Men, again, at the beginning, because everything was kind of scattershot, I didn't know what I was going to get next month. And that's both good and bad, right? Like, if I was not enjoying it, then not knowing what I'm going to get is going to be better, I guess. But, um, yeah, I, I just I think that some of the other books maybe are better as a, as a regular monthly book, and it's not X-Men. Uh, X force was one where I felt like every month I was in. I was in, I was loving it, couldn't wait till the next one. Um, so I feel like having to wait like you know the six or seven, eight months between volumes would hurt more because I was it was exciting and I was in. Um, But again, that's not true of all of them. And a a book like New Mutants actually works better in trade because its single issues were kind of all over the place. You'd have two issues, and then they'd have a completely different story for two issues, and then they come back to the story from the first two issues, um, and it was a different writer. But when you have it in trade, you just have it by writer. So you have none of that weird back and forth, and none none of that, oh, wait, this story was from like three months ago. i got to go back to that because now they've decided to publish it. Like It was just a weird... I don't know editorially why they would choose... To design and publish a book like that.
2: Yeah, so I ordered both. They're they're coming. They're all roots. Uh, both of those new mutants books, and I was confused because it said Volume One Hickman, and then Volume One song. and I'm like, what? Where's Volume Two? And they're like, there's not Volume Two. <laughs> I'm like, but this one came out after this one, and 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 the internet wouldn't tell me otherwise. So I ordered them both, and I guess that's. I'll just. That's, that's good then. I'm gonna read them. In. One's one's in space. One's on a farm. So I gotta know. Yeah. But they're the same characters. No. No. Oh. oh. Okay. That's fine then. But they're both. But they're all new mutants.
0: Mm. Yeah. No. What?
2: <laughs> <laughs> so so one so one of them should have just been called like new mutants in space or the externals or whatever Gambit and his externals and then the <laughs> other one called we live on a farm. Like they. they I, what I mean to say is they could have had two different X names.
0: Yeah. Well, one one was more kind of almost like slice of life and like things going on on a farm, and then another is like the new mutants go the new mutants go on a space adventure, like the the one with Hickman actually riding it and they go into space is new mutants that is the like i would actually say that is if one of the the two different storylines had to lose the new mutants name it would not be that one that was the one that yeah. felt like an actual new mutant story they reference it in this book where why uh what's his, why uh cypher isn't around oh because he's out, out in space so that that one feels more connected
2: and the other one should just be called Uncanny X Farm or
0: something like that, right? <laughs> it, uh, yeah, like it's like the, it's the rejects that you kind of like. Because
1: it was a boom boom like or mag- Yeah, I
0: actually, you know, what? calling it Morlocks probably would have been more fun, but it's different. That's all.
2: Hmm. Okay, well, I'm I gonna read. Oh no! Well, we'll talk. Uh, will, we, will we be able to talk about it? We're we gonna be able to talk about all these things. Like, I'm gonna, I'm buying everything. I don't know if you guys are buying everything.
0: I mean, I mean, we're, we're keeping abreast of it. We're reading it. So we're going we're gonna to chat about it. We're going to do it. I mean, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So according to, I mean, obviously Wikipedia is never wrong. But uh, when you look at their Dawn of X reading order, so they have like X-Men. And I guess this is probably from the back pages anyway. But you have X-Men, then you've got Marauders, Excalibur, New Mutants, and then X-Force. So it might be a long time before we actually talk about my favorite. Um, but in theory, if we follow their... Kind of uh, reading order, Marauders would be next, which is again not my least favorite by a wide margin. So that's still exciting.
1: It's interesting that all the individual issues do have like almost a checklist per month
0: mm-hmm. and
1: kind of a reading order for you. So like if if you're reading the trade of X Men, right, and you're and you hadn't read X Force yet, and you read about this. Xavier getting shot and it's a failed assassination attempt. Like, what, what, where the after that happened and what was next for us? So, if you were kind of reading in the order, you would know. So, I guess that gives some credence to those weird paper uh, trades that were just all issue ones, 3s. they are in the proper like reading order. If you're trying to follow along, I guess, which is fascinating. If, if they do, I'm such I'm so into
2: this. If they do a hardcover or collection or omnibus of that order of those whatever they're calling them, the House of X trades. That might be a reason for me to buy them again because it actually would create a different reading experience. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it would. Yeah, I I guess the only reason that you probably kind of held off, especially, is that you don't know how long it's going to continue, right? Like, how long do they stick? Like, how I would would love to see the sales numbers on these Don of X volumes to see how they're actually performing in comparison to the regular trades. And they come out you know, typically every month or so and you have, you know, a a lot of material in them, Uh, there are months where you know, at the beginning it was like one issue of each book, but that's not always been the case, and so sometimes they end up a a little jumbled where you get like two issues of this and maybe you don't get another one, so it's interesting to see how they've been able to manage that, but I guess for people who are experiencing it that way, it's almost every month they get this collection and that's kind of cool.
2: That is really cool, actually, yeah. I mean, at the first because for me, I was like, I'll read Marauders and X-Force, because that seems playing my jam and then yes. I'm like oh there's a Wolverine and I'm like oh I'll get that too so I just kept getting things and then I was trying to stay away from Hickman because of my past with him and then I'm like ah, I'm all in so originally it was yeah I don't even know if I'm going to like this I didn't want to do it the other the drip way but now uh, <laughs> I kind of really want those other things too because that would <laughs> allow me to keep up with I could keep up with and then buy the volumes separately and have them nicely together on my shelf and then I could keep up almost in like the monthly so, so monthly they do those trades
0: so they're coming out monthly but they are lagging a little bit behind now because like I, I just took a look and for example like the next volume that comes out is next is a March 2nd so that's dawn of X volume 13 but it only has issues three to four of cable which were already in a cable trade paperback x-men number 10 which was in volume two of x-men um, and it has Empire x-men one to two which I guess I don't even know where that's collected so like if you're if you were buying the the series ones, you already would have had that. It's like, you're actually ahead of where this is.
2: Mm. So maybe I should wait for an omnibus and get a gorgeous hardcover, everything in, in, because that was always one of the things about onslaught and age of apocalypse, uh, that I always kind of, I don't know. I, I don't like the way that they're collected necessarily. And, they, they weren't really written in this in the same rigor with the same rigor that this is. This has got this a uh, lot of editorial oversight, and the, and the writers are meeting together regularly. Um, I like to imagine them having fun, you know, just chilling, sitting in the hot tub, drinking champagne, talking to X-Men. I don't know what they do. I don't know what their parties are like. But I feel like with a lot of the other crossovers, it was just like, okay, uh, Impact, Onslaught, Impact, do whatever you want. You become a Sentinel, and then we're gonna have the phases. I'm like okay, which book do you read in which order? And they would have a little checklist for you to try to figure that out. But when things were collected, and never really felt the streamline. But this this definitely feels really good. So maybe that will give me some depth.
0: Nitty- I it's it's funny you mention that. Nate. To this day, I always feel like Onslaught had the best way of managing tie-ins with the phases and impacts. Like it was it just did. it was very yeah. clearly laid out. Like if you just if you wanted everything in the event. You can get all the impacts as well, but if you just wanted to understand the story, you only needed the phases and they weren't they weren't shy about telling you that and so it it felt more genuine and, and not that they were trying to hoodwink me instead it felt more honest that if you just want to know what's going on, just buy these books, but if you want to know everything else, you can you know buy all these impacts or just buy the ones you want or just buy the you know the title you're reading like I wish that they would do that for the actual events we get now because Half the time they just create new mini series instead of tying into regular books, which, on the one hand, I respect that they're not, you know, derailing a regular book. But I'm also like, you know, if you want to take place in that world, that's fine. But also, you know, clearly delineate it for me.
1: Yeah,
2: this is why I like I really like this approach that they're taking with these, um, these monthly collections. That's I think a good idea. I also agree. I would want to know what the, I want to know how healthy they are. I want to know what those sales numbers are too. Right, yeah. you're completely right. I would want to collect up the
0: volume 14 and then they discontinue. And I'm like, great. Yeah, it's crazy. It does look like um, by June they'll be right up to X of Swords, which, again, was, has already happened.
2: Oh, so I'll already, yeah, because I'm going to get X of Swords next month and then read it. and then So that doesn't seem like a way to keep fully abreast with.
0: I think at the beginning it was. I think at the beginning, again, there's so many books and there's only so much they can publish that I think they just kind of naturally started to fall behind. And plus, when, when, what about that Juggernaut series?
2: Is that that's is that connected?
0: It's not connected. It's enjoyable. I liked it.
2: Yeah, and the creators are, are brilliant, so I'm there for them.
0: Yeah, I it, it felt like um, Garney was trying something new and different, but I really enjoyed what he was doing.
2: He's been trying a lot of new things recently. I mean, even his uh, what Charles Soule Daredevil stuff was very different on uh, Garney's. So I'm, I'm down for playing around
0: with him. Absolutely, yeah. He was just definitely trying something different there. And I haven't talked to him in a while, actually. I was supposed to talk to him before uh, Juggernaut launched, but his schedule kind of went crazy. So I'm supposed to actually reconnect with him. So this is a good reminder for me to uh, get in touch with Ron Garney.
1: Does
2: does that Juggernaut comic at least mention Krokoa and how he can't see his buddy Black Tom? Is there at least a mention? Oh, yeah great
0: okay no, i'm in uh i'm pretty sure charles visits him as well
1: how many issues that uh, that is in uh, i,
0: I want to say there's five
1: really starting when when that when first issue launched?
0: uh that's a great question i don't know i'd have to i'd have to really I look can, into I can it, it up. yeah but
1: the yeah because the trade is what also march uh
0: yeah I something like that something like that yeah it, I mean it was it was good um, let me see if I can find Donovex
2: people, people in the future who already read it are going to be like ah oh, these noobs it was good it was great <laughs> it's already out these noobs I mean that's the thing too like for everybody I, I feel like I'm fairly well steeped in X-Men history but for there's least somebody out there who will see me as a t- noob like oh you don't know anything
0: that's true uh, Juggernaut came out uh, it started September 23rd 2020
2: Yeah, I see it here now. Okay. And there's that Wolverine, what is it? Red, red, black, and... Wait, white, black, and red, or something like that? Yeah,
0: that's not really... I mean, there's just stories. I I don't think they're... I was
2: saying continuity. I know, but, like, I don't know. I I saw the creators involved, so I'm still down for that.
0: Look at you. You, You're interested in everything now.
2: Well, I mean, I collect Wolverine fairly faithfully. Like, I, I don't have very many gaps in Wolverine. I'm just trying And the older stuff, I'm just trying to building you know, for the epipelage it's awesome. mm. Wolverine and Moon and, Knight and, uh, are characters that I want to have everything for Elektra as well as another, another favorite of mine mm.
1: alright
0: well I guess that's uh, that's about good for us t- today we uh, it's it- it's interesting to Go through this conversation with you guys because again we were fairly close together on House of X, Powers of Ten, and now we're seeing some fragmentation. So I'm excited to see how how the fragmentation will continue as we go along. Indeed. All right. Well, yeah. thanks. Thanks okay. so much. And uh, yeah. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. Uh, you can always email us at comic shenanigans at gmail.com. Rate the show on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and also listen to us on Stitcher. Thanks again. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.
1: Bye.